Cozy Zone friends, Ben Weber here. I am sitting at my desk in my room. It is Monday night. My desk is very, very different than when I checked in last time. I, I've just moved out of uh, my roommate Alana's room. And when I say moved out, I had filled it with all of my art-making supplies, all sorts of stamps and mishigas and all of this stuff that I was trying to hide away that I didn't need to deal with, and and, uh, Alana is coming back on Wednesday, and it'll be wonderful to have her. It'll be wonderful to welcome her back into essentially her apartment that Nicolette and I share with her. But it means that I have had to reckon with all of my clutter all of my stuff, and a lot of it is has landed on on my desk. Uh, gosh, I'm looking at some black painted dowels, some black squares of wood. I've made some to do lists from this to do list stamp that I got at Muji. Um, I I'm devising some thank you gifts to all of the wonderful guests who have been a part of the Cozy Zone experience. Um, there's this enormous stack of greeting cards. Uh, I would say 200, 200 greeting cards at least uh, on the side of my desk. And, you know, I've been saying to myself, Ben, I want to read fan mail. I said this, Ben, <laughs> Ben, I say to myself, I want to read some fan mail. Uh, I want to read some Cozy Zone fan mail, which I don't have because Cozy Zone is a it's a modest operation right now. You know, we have we have we have hundreds, perhaps, of listeners. Uh, you know, it has been listened to you know well over two thousand times uh, throughout the course of of the Cozy Zone era. Um, but no fan mail yet. I guess people don't really know my address, and I don't have a PO box. Uh, they know I'm in Brooklyn. Um, but let me just let me just take a moment to read read these cards that I keep. I, I keep like all of the cards in my life, and they just stay here. And I don't know what I'm I'm doing, but here, okay. So I'm holding one. This is one. It's from my mother. Uh, it's orange. It has a typewriter on it, and it has these red ribbons uh, that lead uh, upwards, so that you can see in typewriter keys above the typewriter is spelled out the word thanks. And you open the card, and it's this baby blue inside. And uh, on the the right-hand side of the card, it says a lot in the same type key uh, typeface. And my mom has, has written a note. Uh, this is May 1st, 2014. Dear Ben, thank you very much for changing my world and taking me along on your life's journey. I appreciate how loving and understanding you are of me, even when I, quote, miss the mark. It is a privilege for me to be your mother. I treasure all of the time we have spent together and the wonderful memories we have created together. 
I love you to bits. Much, much love, Mom. P.S. These books made me think of you, so... Dot, 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 dot. I wanted you to have your own copy. I have a copy as well. Enjoy. Thank you, Mom. Uh, this was a year ago. I think these are some books about what it means to be a son. Um, she sent me some books that I, I, I have on my shelf uh, and I mean to look at, uh, but I haven't yet. Uh, there's a lot of... There's a lot of love my mom sends me, uh, and I love my mother very much, and I, I, am, I am deep in working on our relationship, trying to create a nourishing, loving, uh, productive relationship with me and my mother. Um, you know, we have, we have reckoned with a lot of things uh, throughout my growing up, uh, and I love her very much, and I am so grateful for the love that she sends my way. Um, and, but I, you know, I'm, I'm grappling with a bit of guilt that I haven't, you know, maybe read those books she sent me. Uh, she writes me an email every day. I'm grappling with, uh, what it means if I don't respond every day. Uh, is that okay? Probably, probably it's okay. It's a lot of pressure to write an email every day. My mom is very generous. So, you know, these are some things I'm contending with. You will, you will certainly hear the evolution of, my feelings uh as as the cozy zone evolves as as the fan mail pours in let's let's take another let's take another card uh this is also from my mother um it is a small red card uh with a silhouette of someone doing a handstand there are squiggles erupting from this person's foot and leg there's a quote on the front. There's red and it's orange. Uh, the quote's in white. And it says, some pursue happiness, others create it. And guess who said that, folks? It's unknown. Unknown said this pearl of wisdom. I, I, I feel like I'm in the happiness creation business. I hope you're feeling happy right now. Uh, are you feeling happy? Why don't you tweet about it? At Cozy Zones on Twitter, at Ben Weber Projects on Instagram. Send me an email, ben at smashtype.com. Are you happy? Don't be unknown. Let me, let me uh, uh, attribute your quote to somewhere. And this is from my mother. You are an inspiration. She has added an exclamation point. We love you to bits. Much love, Mom and Dad. Uh, my mom has written my dad's name. P.S. We are also very proud of you. Enjoy the enclosed goodies. Uh, I don't know what in goodies they were. I'm sure they were some some lovely chocolate. Uh, this is extremely thoughtful uh, and actually really meaningful and important to hear right now. This this is really nice. I, um, you know, I spent a lovely Memorial Day weekend doing all the things, uh, celebrating Katie Diamond's birthday. Um, that was really wonderful. Happy birthday, Katie Diamond! You're turning thirty. You are. Uh, my rock. Uh, I am so grateful for you. We are co-workers as well as friends, and we get to see each other a lot, and you inspire me uh, with your words, with your drawings. You're an amazing artist. Katie Diamond is responsible for the adorable cozies and zonies uh, that I've been posting a little bit. I, I we, are, we are working on forging a new Cozy Zone logo. Uh, happy birthday, Katie. I got to see you on the Upper East Side at this crazy bar on Friday night where we drank beers outside. 
It was lovely. I got to join you on Sunday at the beach at Reese Beach, the gay part of Reese Beach. What an honor. Like, for real, I am always trying to find my place at the beach, you know. Uh, And really, the gay part of the beach feels so good. Everyone is sexy. Everyone is fabulous. Everyone is fierce. Uh, I feel delicious there. I recommend go go to the gay part of Reese Beach. It's the best part. Um, thank you, Katie, for for inviting me there. It was really nice, and I saw your campsite. What a badass campsite! We ate so much food. You are such a brilliant grill master. God bless you, Katie Diamond. Happy birthday. Um, I want to also make a very special announcement. Daniel Goldman, Dr. Daniel Goldman, my dear friend, uh, who I, I wish I could express how much I love and respect you. Uh, you have been studying uh, physics uh, and chemistry at the University of California at Berkeley, UC Berkeley. Um, you you have been uh using an optic tweezers to tease apart the the molecular structure of ribosomes and you've published about it and you've probably written your dissertation about it and a few days ago you graduated as a PhD from UC Berkeley and I just want to say congratulations um you're amazing and an inspiration uh and I I hope someday that we can do a cozy zone uh we've known each other since we were in kindergarten together, um, you're you're amazing, uh, and you're really special to me, and I love you, and I want you to know that I'm very proud of you, and you know maybe this is a, you know I I owe you an email. I think this isn't maybe the best venue to reach out to you. I'm not even sure if you listen to the podcast, but I I think you will one day, and when you do, I just want you to know how much I love you and how cool you are and how cool it is you're a doctor, uh, and a PhD from physics, uh, at UC Berkeley. Unbelievable. Um, let's see. Okay. Yeah. So there's all sorts of shit on my desk also. Uh, oh, there's some elastic city paraphernalia, some frivolity cards. I'm getting ready to do, uh, oh, it's not quite announced. The season is, is going to be announced soon, but I'm, I'm doing a very special way, uh, for elastic city. So I'm not I'm not going to announce it now, but stay tuned. Elastic-city.org um, has a fantastic lineup. Check it out. Uh, hopefully, I can I can get Todd Shalom to sit down in his cozy zone, and I can train a microphone on him and ask him all the questions. I want it so bad. Uh, hey, Figment's coming up. Uh, please come to Figment. It's on Governor's Island. I'm going to be uh, just just coming up to you. I'm like a man on the street. Uh, like Billy on the street, I guess, with a microphone, and and we're going to find some cozy zones. We're going to be on a hunt for the coziest zones on Governor's Island. Um, so, yeah, so so get ready for that. Please come. Um, maybe I should give you my cell phone number. Maybe not on this platform. That's that's pretty intimate. But but I, I will send it out on in my mailing list, I think. Uh, so, yeah, Sign up for my mailing list. I think it's on the homepage of my website. Friends, I am not a social media genius. 
I'm a, I'm a genius of feelings. I'm a genius of listening. I'm a genius of l- teasing vulnerability and truth out of other people uh, by, by hopefully uh, creating a, uh, an environment of coziness wherever I go. But I am not a genius of Twitter or Instagram, all these things I tell you to follow. I'm working on it, friends. Um, but, yeah, sign up for the mailing list. I'm I'm trying to do MailChimp. That's what I'm doing. This is they should be paying me thousands of dollars, a hundred, a hundred cents for that. Um, but you know, anyway, sign up for the mailing list. I'm going to give you my my number. If you guys have been waiting for my number, um, it, it's uh, it's a hot ticket. Sign up for that mailing list, and yeah, come find me on Governor's Island. We're going to have some fun like Cozy Zones with Strangers. Also, if you have any suggestions about uh, who I should interview on Governor's Island, like a scavenger hunt, like should I find someone dressed up like a chicken? Uh, should I find uh, someone who who's old enough to be my grandmother or grandfather? Should I talk to them? Should I find someone with a hula hoop? There's a lot of those people at Figment. Uh, someone at Costume Cults, they're, they're pretty cozy. Um, yeah, let me know on all of these social media handles, uh, that I expressed earlier at Cozy Zones, at Ben Weber Projects, Ben at SmashType.com, mailing list, Ben Weber Projects.com. I, what email did I say? Ben at SmashType.com. Anyway, we have a very special Cozy Zone coming up. Brisa Areli Munoz a grad school colleague of mine, um, a very precocious young theater maker. Uh, I had the chance to interview her at Bijan's, uh, which is a restaurant in downtown Brooklyn on Cobble Hill. Um, very lovely restaurant. Um, a very interesting cozy zone. Um, she just got off a plane from Romania, and so she like gave me her time which was so kind. Um, there's a bit of an edge, I think, to this particular cozy zone because of her jet lag, I would say. Um, but, you know, that is that is all part of the palette of the cozy zone. You know, we are, we are seeking a multitude of experiences. We are meeting people where they're at. Uh, and Brisa, I want to thank you so much for giving me your time, your very precious time. Uh, it was a really fun interview. We had a lot of uh, audience participation, I'd say. We had some special uh, surprise guests join us. Uh, so I think you are really going to love it because I loved it. And it's going to be super good. Let me see if there's anything else I want to say before we listen to Brisa and me get cozy. Um, Nope, that's it. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for downloading this. Thank you, Danny, for making such sexy music all the time. Danny Townsend, you're the best. Katie Diamond, thank you for your cozies and zones. They're beautiful. Happy birthday. Cozy Zone listeners, Cozy Zone friends, you are unbelievable i'm so happy you exist uh everyone brisa munoz at bijan's
I think we just started. I think we just started, but uh, how, to, how are your how levels? Yeah, close, closer is better. Closer is better. Can this you hear good. yourself? I can hear myself. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Blurred Lines by Robin Thicke um. slash Marvin Gaye is playing right now. Song of summer 2013, a very important song for me as I drove back and forth across the great state of California. Um, it makes me think of Nicolette. It would always come on the radio. Like every fifth song, it would come on the radio. That and uh, Bruno Mars's uh, Treasure. Treasure! Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm glad to hear that you have such you fond don't, memories. You don't like of it. Tell me song. why you don't I like do it. I do not like this song. Tell me why. First, why would you like the song? Other than the fact I that. I told you why. I know. It, other than the fact that maybe you have some, like, some memories associated yeah. to it that you feel like you know, are nice for you. I just think he is not a very good musician. Okay. I think he is offensive Why to is women. He? Okay, there it is. Offensive <laughs> um, to women. And I also, you know, amidst the whole Marvin Gaye scandal, I was like, yeah, yeah, this sounds like that song. Yeah. Um, I have to say, if that video had come out when I was 15 years old, the Blurred Lines video, and I had access to it, I would, uh, I mean, it would it would have been a really important video to my sexual awakening. Sure. Um, they're very beautiful people in that video. Yeah, I mean, I think, unfortunately, it's really catchy, and I think it's that's maybe catchy. what gets me so super. Angry. The, the, the ladies in the video are very attractive. The gentlemen are attractive. Pharrell is attractive. Robin Thicke I don't find attractive. Sure. Yeah, I just, it makes me, well, I think because it's so catchy is the reason why I get frustrated, because folks like to sort of separate it, like, oh, it's so catchy, I don't really listen to it for the words or the meaning or right. the video, and, right. you know, when you start, it things become problematic when you start to separate things in that way. And it's you know? more and, insidious. And, and then it becomes unconscious, you yeah. know, like, I'm supporting this thing, but I have no idea what I'm supporting, and that, you know... That gets me a little frustrated. But <sighs> I'm also that I can't help but say what's on my mind right now sure. is Baltimore. So I'm looking at uh, the TV screen of the place that we're in. That Brisa, you're going to tell us about in a moment. But there, uh, there are a lot of protesters happening right now uh, in Baltimore. Clashes between protesters and police. Um, I just want to say I, I want to se- send a lot of love and support. And healing to all the people of Baltimore. Absolutely. And hope, uh, hope that something good comes out of all of this. Yeah. I was mentioning earlier how, upon looking back at this era, my hope, my dream is that this is the time period where you know things started to shift. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know we've had we've had a lot of stuff happen over the past few months and. I don't even know where to begin. Um, there's so much. I mean, there, there's so much. I know I feel, it is, I feel so overwhelmed and so helpless in the face of all of this. Um, and it is so hard in my gut to understand why 
the state needs to hang on to institutionalized racism. Like, why racism seems like such an important part of the way that everything is run. Uh, and it seems like letting it go will threaten everything. And, and people, uh, the people in power are so afraid to let go of it. And I don't, it's just this fundamental dissonance that I don't, I can't understand in my gut. Maybe because of the way I was born or whatever. When the verdict of um, Eric Garner had come out in terms of, um, you know, the police officer who, you know, was not indicted or whatever. Yeah. I remember that night, um, you know, my partner and I, my partner is, is a black man of African descent, and we were sort of sitting there, and we wanted to watch it, but we didn't because we sort of knew what was going to happen, you know, and folks acknowledged and mourned and, you know, in their own way. Zudi and I just, um, we just prayed. Wow. Like, in that moment, we are just sort of sitting there, and... You know, it's quite interesting because, you know, there are, there are times and spaces where there are just no words. I mean, the whole reason why Azudi and I, you know, are in a relationship is because we are both, we find it valuable to be politically and socially conscious. That's the way that we became friends and then the way that we began, we became partners. And so we talk about these often, uh, these things often, you know, he got his he does musical theater but he also got his um he also majored in africana studies and um so we talk about these all things always i mean we share articles we give commentary on the articles every single day every day it's like there's a new article to share not specifically about this but just like in general the state of the united states the state of race relations in the u.s like these are constant conversations we're having and so to hear a verdict like that and to see these things like continue to happen, there's not much you can say. No. We didn't we didn't say anything in that moment. I mean we, we prayed for you know, peace. I think I mean the, the idea of prayer, the idea of, of sitting in a place, being being quiet, being introspective and sending your intention to a very specific point you know, evoking some power greater than yourself to bring healing to the world around you. That resonates really, really strongly with me. Like, on on the train to meet you here, you know, it's just like, what what are we going to do? Like, what are we going to do about this? Like, what can I do? I'm about to... I'm going to record a podcast with my friend Brisa. We're going to go to a cozy zone, you know, uh, it, it's, uh, I don't, I don't know if frivolous is exactly the right word, but it's, I mean, we're, we're lucky to be here. We're lucky to be safe and in a place where we can commune together while our brothers and sisters elsewhere are struggling so hard in the streets against the police and the forces of the state. They're, they're struggling against oppression. I mean, you just got back. Uh, from a, a conference in Romania where you were speaking uh, to peace builders. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, mediators, you know, pe- peace builders. What is peace building in the 21st century yeah. look like? And so you're also speaking to people who are on the front lines uh, who are engaging with people who are struggling. The, yeah, so there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of contradiction. I don't know. I just I want to 
sort of add my prayer to yours. Like there, there's something I want to validate and, and add and say yes to. Like I think that's really wonderful. Yeah. There, there are a couple thoughts there. So first I'll argue that you know, us being in this space right now isn't frivolous because we are adding to the conversation, you know, of this movement, which we, we don't know what it's going to look like on the larger scale. Right. We know the things that have been happening, right? We know that folks of color have um, continued to sort of be, um, you know, I don't even, I, I don't even, you know. Racism still exists. Yeah, they, um, they they are systematically oppressed by by the state, by all by, by everything, by everything, by all of the structures that have mm-hmm. been created within this country, within many countries, right on on Earth. So, so us speaking to it, us finding this space to to you know to speak to it, I think is important. I will also say that speaking to this conference. Um, It's a conference called Mediators Beyond Borders. I was fortunate to go with um, a group of of peace builders and human rights activists and artists um, that's with an organization called Applied Theater Collective, which I have helped to co-found with these um, other folks. Check them out, Applied Theater Collective. Dot com. Dot com. (laughs) R-E, not E-R for theater. Mm R-E. Yeah. Like the, the British. Right. Yes. Um, theater, the, theatre. Yeah, that. Yeah. And one of the presentations that I went to was, you know, approaching peace through psychology. And my background is in neuroscience as well as theater. That's what I got my undergrad degrees in. And so anything that had to do with psychology, I was fascinated by. And basically what one of the presenters was offering was that um, there is no... First off, there's not a world sans conflict. Right. That, that does not exist. There's not a relationship and there will never, and sans the, yeah, and conflict. And there will never be a world without conflict. Absolutely. So Every, every moment, uh, every other moment is, is a conflict. And he argued that the reason why this is so is because all of conflict stems, stems from emotion. Okay. There is no conflict that does not have emotion within it you know so as long as we are emotion filled people (laughs) there will be conflict um you know he went on to talk and I don't know it it became a little disheartening because I was like oh that's not the first um thing that I thought I was going to hear was that oh you know there will never be a world so basically stop praying for it stop praying for peace because it's not possible you know and then he started identifying but not all conflicts are violent right I mean you can have Sure. I mean, I, or I, I, that's, I believe that. I hope for that. You can have a emotion or, I, I mean, do you, do you, is that something you think? Are all conflicts violent? No, no, not at all. I don't think so. I think, you know, as the introductory um, session in this conference, I was sort of taken aback. You know, you know, we, we think about peace and we get this really warm feeling in our hearts yeah. and it's something we strive to do it's we strive to create spaces where you know folks are peaceful you know and to ever you know and to really get the re- the, the reality check that yeah you know but this guy basically invalidated the pursuit of your field by saying like actually like no no there can't be I, a world without conflict no so. i think that's how we started as a way of being humorous okay 
at the end of the day, he was talking about how do we get to the source of the emotions, right? How do we get to the source of the root of a conflict? And oftentimes he said the way that you find the root to the conflict is to think about what, what, has, what has someone experienced through their feeling, yeah. you know? And if we can get to that, then we can find ways for us to sort of mediate this conflict. Um, so it wasn't all, you know, it was just the way it started. And I was sort of like, oh, wow. Like, so he, I mean, he's, he identifies as, you know, he, he's a lawyer, he's a litigator. Um, and, um, and so he wants, he wants change to happen too, you know? Of course, of course. So it was just, it was I mean, funny that that was yeah. the first thing that, the first presentation at least. We yeah. had, we had some other experiences prior to, to that one. And this was in Romania? Romania. Where Bu- in Romania? So Bucharest. Bucharest. Um, and. It's the site of a serious conflict uh, in the 90s, is that right? Yeah. A revolution? Well, yeah, well, the, the end of communism was in 1989, okay. I believe. And so it was fascinating to be in this space that had so much history. You know, the, the history was in the walls. You, know, yeah. you just walk around and you've got, you know, from the era, you know, spaces from the Byzantine Empire and then Ottoman and then communism and then like modern era, all in the same space. Uh, which was fascinating. We don't necessarily have the same history when we look no. at, you know, the United States Not and whatever all. there was has now, is now being, you know, basically, well, it's you know, two hundred years, you know, or yeah. you know, four hundred years old, more or less. Yeah. So, but it was a great, it was a great experience. The and, conference was amazing. And it, what, what were you presenting on? Great. So, so this conference brought mediators and peace builders. Um, from all over the globe together. And the theme of the conference was dangerous dialogues and courageous conversations. And it was an opportunity to network, but it was also an opportunity to sort of um, share best practices, reflections on work they had done with, um, you know, historically divided communities, areas in conflict, you know, all these sorts of things. And ATC uses arts as sort of like the catalyst for action, right, for dialogue. And so what we essentially um, offered was um, creative approaches for support, thinking about what are the ways that we, well, I won't say we because I'm not a mediator, but, you know, mediators at this conference could think about their own personal biases, their relationship to conflict, and... But also, what are the challenges that you see are present in your field? And how can arts be a way of sort of unpacking that a bit and sort of having some sort of like a release, but also provide an opportunity to brainstorm how we might escape those challenges together? So participants sort of got to wear two hats. They got to experience, you know, theater and art techniques um, to sort of unpick, uh, just as sort of like a healing space for them to sort of think about what led you to this profession. What are the challenges um, in you know within it, and what are the ways in which we might begin to start thinking about uh, strategies, you know, to to escape these challenges? What but did the, what did the art look like? What is the art so we um, that you guys so made? we offered uh, poetry. So let me think. I'm trying to think about the order of the session. We we got to know each other a little yeah. bit. We created some images on um, some of the core values of mediation. You know, we started with you know. In pairs, make a circle, and in fours, make a you know star, and oh, you know, yeah. and just sort of making some images, some basic images. But this was all negotiated in silence. Oh. And then we asked them more complicated things, sort of like the core values of mediation. So, 
in groups of five create an image without speaking on the word negotiation or okay. um, on safety, what safety looks like. And then we sort of allowed them to speak this time, so they, they built the they built the skill of creating images in silence. So it's like, oh, you know, speaking should make it easier, right? You know, that's what folks assume. And then they notice, oh, it becomes a little harder because, you know, when do you step up and when do you speak and when do you let other folks speak? So we sort of transition that to now you're going to create a, uh, an image, um, another image, but um, I want you to think about um, the balance that you have to play between your own um, beliefs and the beliefs of the folks that you mediate. You know, like how do you balance between those two things? You know, so we let them have conversations around it, and then they created some images. How do you do, how do you balance between your own beliefs and the people that you mediate? Yeah, well. There, I mean, we didn't get to hear those answers. Oh. We we didn't have that long of a time. They they and their small groups got to hear sort of their answers what to that. What do you think? And what we, do you think that people said? Well, I mean, they reflected at the end of the session, yeah. right? They talked they talked a lot about how because there's not enough space for them to um, there's not value placed around them understanding and, and their own beliefs and how to grapple with them. It's it's very much about like you must be impartial you must be neutral right and, and trying but that's that I, exactly but right. that's what they're identifying sure. right? they're identifying yeah. that it's not it's, possible and to ignore it is not helping the issue it's actually you know a detriment to us and you know what about us who are empathetic people who don't know how to not take these things home with us um what do we do then, basically? So, 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 you know, that was just one activity. You know, we got them thinking about that. We had them write poems about their journey to um, this profession. Well, we didn't have them write it. We got them in pairs, had them share their stories, and then said, okay, great. You've just listened to their stories. We hope you've been the best listener ever. We told them to be the best listener ever yep. prior to. And then we said, all right, everybody's going to get, like, three minutes. You get to summarize their story in three lines. One might call it a poem, if that's too daunting for you then just think about it as three lines and then they shared it with each other and there were moments of embrace there were moments where folks were crying and then we reflected back afterwards and they said you know often in our work we're trying to figure out how to create these safe spaces and, and trust trust was the biggest word that came out of that activity in particular and they said and you just built trust in this entire room in three minutes because you just asked us to listen to each other and then gift ourselves a poem. You know, like... Yeah. I mean, it's extremely vulnerable. I mean, uh, speaking poetically, right? It's, it's using language in a vulnerable, artful way mm -hmm. that is, is different than you usually do. And yeah. I mean, I think that, yeah, that invitation to listen is so crucial and, mm -hmm. and rare. Yeah, and then we had them, you know, we had them write up on a wall that everybody could see what are some of the challenges that are present within your profession and then we sort of finished the session with um, having one person identify a very concrete challenge that they could identify that maybe they could sort of uh, put into their body um, in the form of an image and uh, so we had them make that image and then we did this activity that's called image of transition um, which is an Augusto Boal um, activity that allows you to use images as the impetus for seeing something transform from the negative to the positive or the real to the ideal, if you would. So we started with the challenges, like what one person identified a challenge in their profession. She put it in her body. Then she, she molded someone else into the ideal, what she would like herself to look like or what it might look like to escape those challenges. And then we had the rest of the audience sort of like 
create some transition images and then we had conversations in between each of those spots to be like, okay, what would it take to get from, you know, head down to head up? Yeah, what would so it take what, to, you know? What were the images? What was the what were we trying to transition between? Um well, I can't share her story. Okay, would, sure, know. sure. But can you describe the the image, like? Sure. Yeah. The, how how the her image, body looked. The image started off. Uh, she was looking down. She was sort of like covering herself, like as if she was sort of like protecting sort herself, of hugging shielding herself. herself from the world, her sort of like hunched, hunched down, and, and her mm-hmm. arms are clutching her. And then she had this front. other woman. Um, the final image was her head was up and like held strong. Her arm was out like in a fist as if she was like charging forward. Mm-hmm. She had one leg like lunged forward as well. Like there was movement. Okay. You could see it was like propelling mm-hmm. forward into like a bright, beautiful future. You know, and, and that was sort of the story. And that's what we sort of unpicked is like we, we started to identify all of these, um, you know, really little steps that it might take through images. And what, what gets me so excited about it, I've, I've seen this technique done and sometimes it can be lackluster uh, because it's quote unquote just images, you know, like, oh, what can you really get from images? But, but actually, I, mean, I, I think who knows? I know, I know. But I mean, but images, whole, uh, uh Probably a lot, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Well, the whole reason, so I keep reading back. Every single time I do a workshop, I keep reading back on, like, what was the impetus for this strategy? Like, why was it created and how was it used? And, you know, we got, you know, Ben and I went to master's school together. Oh, yeah. So. Uh, my, my guest today is Brisa Areli Munoz, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> master of applied theater, co-founder of the Applied Theater Collective. Uh, and to me... Brisa, you are this example of uh, just someone who is crushing it at life. I mean, you are a, you are a young boss. Our food is here. It is. It's so exciting. We both ordered uh, pulled pork. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, we're really excited about this. Um, so excited. Yeah, so Brisa, like, I, you know, I'm listening to you talk about your work. And the thing that strikes me is you are you are serious. Like it is not a joke. All of this work, the using art, using theater to bring understanding, to bring new understanding to people who work in conflict resolution, who work in peace building, who work in mediation. Um, you are you are praying for the end of racism. Like you are invoking a higher power. Uh, in the service of an anti-racist world, um, and you—you you are a precocious young woman, and and I—I uh, I have always been impressed by by what you bring to the world, what you bring to a room, um, and I'm super excited to to be cozy in this place that no one even knows where we are I yet. Know. We uh, just sort of jumped right in. Yeah. Should we, uh, let's, let's talk about where we are while we, uh, while we eat, I guess. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So where the hell are we, Brees? Uh, we're at this spot. Um, it's called Bijan's. It's in Brooklyn, in downtown Brooklyn. And I was sort of thinking about what my cozy zone was. I, recharge around people. I'm an extrovert, extrovert, so I knew that it needed to be somewhere where there were people, where there was music. Yeah, um, Yeah, it is. Um, and I, I chose this like eclectic little spot. Yes, we're good. Thank, Thank you. you. I chose this uh, eclectic little spot. It's like we're sitting by a window. Um, I love this a- window <laughs> so much. So we have all this like podcasting equipment set up. People are walking by 
and like giving us like they're looking in, they're checking it out. Everyone is like looking in and checking it out, which makes me feel amazing. We're on a stage. Mm-hmm. We're I, on a stage. There's like a twinkle lights on. What is it? What are they called? They're, yeah, I call I them twinkle lights, Christmas, Christmas lights. lights. Sure. Uh, above us, and there's like a little fireplace. It's not lit anymore because it's now moved into spring. It's uh, exposed brick. Um, and it's run by these two folks. I um, see the fireplace. Oh, you do? Right here. Yeah, yeah, I see it. Yeah. Um, these two folks who moved from Iran, and um, and yeah, it's just cozy. It's super cozy. There's these beautiful lights. Mm-hmm. It's Persian light fixtures. Different colored chairs, but like everything sort of feels a little rustic in decor as well. Unbelievable happy hour. What were you saying? Oh, two yeah. for ten. Two for ten specialty craft what, cocktails. What, Come to Bijan. What did you get to drink recently? I got a jalapeno margarita. All oh, right, which is that's what right. I kind of get always everywhere. Mm. And I got some sort of IPA that's very delicious. Mm-hmm. So it's a good spot, all in all. You should come. Yeah, I, I, I really like it. I feel like super legit. Like I think that we're on stage here and that we're sort of addressing the entire room. There's a guy reading. Some ladies just high-fived. Our waitress is mm-hmm. being so attentive. I'm, there's this cool pulley. There is? Yeah, uh, right behind you. The table was reserved when we arrived, mm-hmm. Brisa, because you are such a boss. <laughs> Or maybe I just come here a little too often. They reserved a table for you, which is pretty fantastic. I think it's the best table in the house. It right is. Right by a window. We're on stage. We're Huge raised window. above everybody. I know. It's pretty great. Um, so, yeah, I, I have to encourage the spot because um, I was I was telling Ben earlier that the wife of the owner... Um, She's Persian, and uh, we were here one night. ATC actually had a meeting here, and it sort of trickled into the late hours, and, you know, there was an acoustic night that was happening, and, like, the music was, like, so eclectic. It was, like, you got some funk, you had some, you just, like, had, like, a little bit of everything. And, you know, we had, like, a really long meeting, and we were really exhausted, so it was, like, such a nice surprise to, you know, have this music playing. And then, you know, somehow we lasted all the way till the end, which was awful of us. We're like, we're, you know, regretting it the next morning because we stayed way too late. But, you know, the, the owner, the... the Gotta the, have some fun, Brisa. Yeah, it's exactly. Okay. It's okay. <laughs> I know. Uh, but this woman, she decided that once everything was done, she wanted to sing. And she spoke on the mic a little bit about how she doesn't get very many opportunities to sing anymore. And, and if we didn't mind, she would like to sing something you know, from her home that felt like home. And so she started singing in Persian and it was acoustic, you know, it was just her voice and it was just so raw and it was so elegant. It was so beautiful. Awesome. And uh, so we got to chatting with her afterwards and you could tell she really wanted this space to do well. You know, it's, it's a young spot. Yes. Um, which is why I recommend it to everyone so it stays alive so I can continue to have a cozy spot and that all Brooklynites can have a cozy spot too. Get over to Bijan's <laughs> on Hoyt. Yes. Um... Not they're not a sponsor yet, but maybe someday. Maybe someday. Maybe uh, that would be great. I'm I'm in the market for sponsors, Brisa. I don't know. Sponsors. I don't know what, what to what do. What kind? What do you What do you need you them to do? Anything. I don't know. Just give give some money. I'll say I'll say they're great. I'm not exactly sure how it works. I mean, you know, you're catching me at at this fledgling moment. Sure. Um, you're going to be maybe episode eleven or twelve or thirteen. I don't know exactly, but you're you know. Uh, we're we're 
approaching double digits, which is exciting. Yeah, that is exciting. Yeah. I will say that in terms of sponsors, um, I'm not very good at bringing in the cash. I am. Good, oh, that's okay. I'm good at. Um, Maintaining relationships with folks who have access to resources. So sure. Like space or... Yeah, space you know, is great. I don't know. Free food, you know, things like that. I think I'm better at I still have not figured out how to get money, which I think is a huge detriment. You're, you're, you're um, doing great. For an artist, though. You know, it, it's difficult when... Oh, totally. You know, we talk often, you know, in the MA, the grad students, about... As artists, you're expected to sort of be, you know, entrepreneurs of sorts. Certainly. You have to be able to do both. Certainly. And I have to say, I think that's one of the biggest reasons why I think ATC, Applied Theater Collective, is doing so well is because it's not just an organization of artists. I see. It's an organization of folks who have other skills as well. Uh-huh. But they find value in the art that we're trying to make, and so we all have a vested interest in making it happen, making it succeed. So yeah. we've got one woman who works... Um, um, Nadia, she's brilliant. She works um, um, at one organization, and, and she helps with development. So she's a great writer. Um, so she offer often like, you know, offers her help in that way. And so we all get to sort of work together. But then she also gets to be creative in a way that she doesn't necessarily get to do, you know, at her full time job. And so it's sort of a trade off, right? We need to learn how to do a little more of that, and they get to sort of do a little more of the stuff that we do, at least on the. Um, artistry side so that is such an honor mm-hmm. i mean and you are you are excellent at what you do you and michelle yes michelle are, o'connor hill she's uh, also a co-founder yes we all graduated together yes we did yep she's brilliant. uh i did my first project ever in the ma and applied theater with michelle and lillian <laughs> oh lillian. Uh, yeah i gotta have lillian on the show that's gonna be a mm-hmm. an amazing amazing one this is an she, amazing one she does everything. I feel she like I check her Instagram too. and she is like in a different, I don't know. Yeah, she it is, seems like she's just like in a different world every single she day. Is, she's the queen of Newark. The reigning yes, queen of community arts in Newark. Um, I realize what we're going to have to do is, is various dances as we sort of trade bites uh, with our mm-hmm. pulled pork sandwich. So it'll be like a pulled pork sandwich tango. Uh, I'll do some talking. When you were describing the space, I took the time to have some big bites oh, of my, my pulled pork sandwich. And hopefully I can also cover it when this you're doing a, it. This is a creative way to get folks to negotiate. I think maybe next time oh. at a workshop, <laughs> we should just like have food. Oh. And the only way that you can get your voice in, or like the only way you can eat is, you know, if you give up the mic for a little bit. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> so you need you need food and mics. Food and mics. Food and mics. And Hopefully, something to talk about. That's oh my important. goodness! <laughs> yeah. I um I also, I was writing some stuff down on a napkin, as you saw, because mm-hmm. uh, I didn't want to forget. Um, but the thing I didn't write down on the napkin is, is images. And th- like, what did you say? You said like a lot of people are like against images. Oh yeah, sorry. So I want to say that when I was going back, sorry. <laughs> no, no. I, I I just think I think like it, it's important to to put that into some sort of context. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I know so. For those of you out there who don't necessarily make a frozen picture with your body as part of your daily practice, uh, I think I think one of the, the biggest conventions that we were exposed to and taught in our Masters in Applied Theater is this idea of a still image. Uh, so, for example, if you're in a group of strangers, if you're in a group of anybody, and you give them a prompt of any sort... Uh, to silently make a a picture, a frozen picture with their body inspired by the prompt, 
there is almost like an endless permutation of sort of uh, debriefing you can do and poetry you can you can glean from that image you can give it an artistic title you can have a group say what they see you can you can as you were saying do an image of transition but I, I would recommend if you guys aren't uh, in the habit of, of forming frozen images in your daily life find a group of a few people and you know find some prompts and make some images because I, 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 like you, was sort of sick of it because we were hit over the head with it in class. Mm-hmm. But, but now with some distance, it's pretty cool. It's pretty lovely. And especially if, you know, it's easy if you don't identify as a theater practitioner, if you don't identify as an artist. Like, we all have bodies that can create meaning. Yeah. And so anyone can do it, literally. I have to say, I was... Um you know, I get into these, these spells where I am a little bit bored of that. You know, I think I err a lot more towards, like, let's improvise, right? Let's come up with some words. Let's come up with some content. I like, I, lo- I love that. And, and I think that when I was reflecting on doing this workshop and how do you keep it fresh for, you know, because we do this work a lot, how do you keep it fresh for a new audience? I started reading back to, like, the impetus that Wall had for images and, and why we even create them. And, and he kept saying, you know, images have so much meaning in them. And if you ask if you ask a prompt and then ask folks to create the image before thinking about it, there is the value. Yeah. Like, if you just make it, and then you can discern or distill whatever information based off of your initial impulse. Like, we, we often forget that... Our body conveys just as many messages as our words do. And so if you really challenge folks to put it in your body first, you know, how are you feeling in this moment? One, two, three, freeze. You know, then you are going to be able to discern for yourself, oh, wow, I didn't realize I was feeling this terrible. You know, I'm hunched over. I've got my arms crossed. I, you know, I'm not having, you know, maybe I'm not having a very good day, you know. Yeah. But it's like those triggers that get you to think, oh, wow, maybe I'm not having a very good day because if I'm asking you to freeze right now and you in this, you know, pose of despair, you know? Well, what you're saying is it is a method to make visible impulse or make visible these, these make pre-filters. Make conscious the unconscious. I, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. make conscious the unconscious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your, your pre-filtered uh, existence, which mm-hmm. is very exciting mm-hmm. and very important, not only for art making, but I, I, it is so exciting what you said about conflict being based in emotion. Like, that is... That, like, I was feeling really, I, as you said, like, I was feeling, well, you didn't say this. I was saying, I was feeling bad about, like, oh, God, we're going to go do a cozy zone while the world is burning. Nepal is burning. You know, that you heard about the earthquake in Nepal. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, it's just like, oh, God, the world's burning. Like, I should be doing something else. But our work, my work, the things that I like to do is is rooted in emotions and art is about harnessing emotions to make meaningful gestures and if conflict resolution is you know looking deeply at emotions if conflict is born from emotion then art is like necessary is a necessary tool right for that yeah i mean i think that the biggest injustice we could do ourselves is to sort of sit and sulk when these things are happening or feel idle because they are happening. I feel that way all the time. But I that's feel- what we have to challenge ourselves yeah. not to do. do it's you so ever feel easy that way? to I mean 
You don't have to. I, I just, I definitely can own that I feel like sulking no, a lot. No, I don't think so. I think, I think my brain goes straight to what can I do about it and like, and not, but not to say that like in that very moment I'm going to do something about it, but so long as I, so long as I am thinking larger picture about what am I going to do about it, it sort of allows me to live and breathe in this moment and be like, oh, okay, I don't have to worry. I can have a dinner. I can, I can do this. I can do that. You know, and also, you know... I am a a woman of Mexican descent, you know. I I just I just think, you know, I, I'm a woman I just think there's so many ways in which injustice is is sort of I, I am I am I'm living it always. So how so you know and your, any and, your and, body, and, and yeah, your and, body and, is a is a receptacle for right for injustice. exactly so because of that constant state and because i empathize with with any any folks who are who are looked at as different right because because the real enemy here is not the color of your skin but like this idea of difference right we are not thinking about difference as something of value it is it is a means to separate rather than to bring together and so any in any way that you are different from the space that you are living, you will be living in that different, you'll be living in that otherness. You'll be living in this other world. So, so, so I don't necessarily get idle because it's just sort of every day. So how do I just make sure that I'm not just feeding into that? And how do I feed into, how do I use my art to feed into the, the, the world that I'd like to see? Yeah. And by knowing that that is so essential to me to make sure that I always have something in the pot like brewing that is speaking to the, the world that I want to see it lets me live in peace way more often with myself because there's only so much one person can do you know in a day thank you for that I'm, I'm not trying to no no you know. I, no I mean I think like I, I'm I'm genuine saying thank you because I know that I am seeking peace for myself you know I'm seeking uh self-love and self-forgiveness you know it's funny i um i journal on my ipad on the train every day oh boy sorry but it's because what you said uh was something no, that no. i wrote today i that's great i just uh we have different journaling tech i oh. i'm a very analog old-fashioned pen and notebook but oh, I, really? I love oh, i can't like I, I just i write too slow and i find myself getting very very anxious because i think my my the speed that my thoughts you know i speak fairly fast already but uh-huh. i think my thoughts move even faster so when i try to put my hand to a to a paper uh, i can feel myself getting anxious because i'm losing thoughts as my hand can't write fast enough so i found that writing on like um and i have an ipad with a keyboard right so like i bust totally. out the ipad with a keyboard because the keyboard lets it move just as fast you understand that too like i believe that we are from like completely different generations. I know. We speak about this um, I, I think so often. you you seem exhausted by it, but I think it's I I believe it. There's this I, is I'm sure and this is another value in slowing down. I mean, this I is but this I yet. think this is just because you're you know you know a more savvy you're a young person, Breeze. I don't know. I you're hate, doing I hate when you say that. I know I you know You can say that on the air. I know. And I think I like I think, I think I've said that before. And I think I like that you hate it. I think <laughs> I think so too. You <laughs> I think so too. It's it just really bothers me. 
It bothers me. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for the day that comes where you have decided that we are both old. That That'll is exciting be, to I me. can't wait to know you in, in those that I don't know what older or old looks like to you and when I will cross that when we're When we're both in our 50s, I think I'll, I'll chill out. I can't escape it until then? No. Oh, that sounds terrible. Yeah, long, it's a long time. We'll go to, we'll do some uh, applied theater collective techniques to, to deal with it. That's terrible. To mediate it. Okay. <laughs> I found the notes. I found the notes Let, that I feel like are speaking to some I'm of the things that you're saying. Let's, see, let's, let's hear them. So what I said was, and mind you, this is like... This is raw data here. Raw data. What an honor. (laughs) What an honor. Um, I'm writing, I tried hard to compartmentalize all of my politics for a while and and thought that if I had, if I wanted to be, you know, politically and socially active, that I must not engage in anything that is not my politics, right? Like I must never give into anything that speaks against the things that I want to change. And I think this speaks to your idea of like, oh, like if I know that I'm against this and I know that this hurts and that people are hurting and I, you know, what do I, you know, like feeling stuck, right? So I think maybe this is my, that was my version of feeling stuck was like, oh man, I can't engage in that because that is not something I believe in fully and wholeheartedly, you know? And what I wrote here is, um, I said, what I've learned is that, yes, you can do that. <laughs> you know, you can live in yeah, that yeah. way. Folks folks live in that way where it's sort of like, I'm not going to do anything against my politics or, you know, whatever. Everybody decides that for themselves. But what I've found is most valuable is finding the balance, you know, sort of deciding, like, where is that line? What am I willing to or not willing to say no to? You know, like really having those hard and fast. But then also, how do you live in the gray? So, like... Read, read the read the passage all at once. Read read the particular passage. Oh just to all, just read it through, and then we'll unpick it. Okay. Uh, so read, I said, yeah, read it like a poem. I tried hard to compartmentalize all of my politics, and for a while, thought that if I was a political slash social activist, I must not engage in anything that is not my politics. What I've learned is that yes, you can do that but you also have to find the balance. What am I willing to do or not willing to do? Where is the line? Also, I've realized if I am conscious of what I am doing always, I can do anything. Hmm. So living, living with intention, there's this, this intentionality that, that can save us, that does save us, that saves me. I mean, I mean, here's the deal. If I'm conscious that I'm doing something that feels a little like, eh, you know, that mean I can't do it. Just means I know I'm doing it. You know, like I'll yeah. give you I'll give you a really concrete example. Something like if we talk about a guilty pleasure, I don't often engage. You know, when I watch TV, it's the news. When I read, Ooh. it's usually the news, or it's Ooh. like theoretical books. Like that's like oh my God. that's like usually where I go to. Really? I'm not I'm not very up to date on like pop culture. Wait, you read theoretical books? Like yeah, when like, you read you know, a book, you read a theoretical yeah, book? Yeah, like I mean, I, I'm rereading. You know. Uh, pedagogy of the oppressed, okay. you know, like that. That sort of so nothing for idea. fun, but so uh, no. If 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 it's for fun, it's usually then biographical. Like it's usually like no. based in something Come that on. is. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> really? Just, yeah, like I mean, like the, the John past, Adams biography. Like the, yeah, at least no. Like the, no, I, I mean I wouldn't read John Adams. What do you right, read? But, like um, whose biography? Hillary Clinton. I, just, I wrote her down. You know, I'm still. <laughs> I wrote funny. her down on my napkin. Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton. Let's talk um, about Hillary Clinton. Okay. So you're reading biographies for fun. Mm-hmm. You're reading about. Okay. So I don't know very much about Hillary Clinton, but what I want to offer is a 
is something that I was thinking about. Uh, you were saying, like, okay, so c- emotion is the root of all conflict, mm-hmm. right? Uh, there is a sexist notion that women would be bad world leaders because, as we all know, women are too emotional and not rational. Mm-hmm. Which, from what you were saying... Women have been labeled too emotional. Well, exactly. I'm saying this mm-hmm. is like a sexist, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you know, uh, a way of uh, mm-hmm. per- perspective. Mm-hmm. It's a way to diminish the validity you know, of, of, of women thoughts, as leaders. Their, yeah. But what you're saying, if it is true that all conflict is the root of emotions, and men have been leader, like men are, are the leaders, and we live in a world that has been marred by conflict for, from time immemorial... Look, as much as, as, as much as most men who benefit from that idea that, like, women are all filled in emotion, like, as much as they benefit from that, they're also, like, not benefiting from acknowledging that they are human beings with emotion. <laughs> like, you know, right. m- you know masculine, masculinity meant, like, this idea Absolutely. that, you know, you are rational and therefore you are sans emotion is I- insane. It's no. absurd to me. Absolutely. In the same way that I'm not going to, because because I would like women equality to be should be present in our world that also doesn't make Hillary Clinton the best candidate for a presidency you know what I mean like I I happen to like her I happen to like you know a lot of the things I like I like you know the Clintons and you know for you know all of these very specific I mean they're not perfect people I think there are many ways in which you know I disagree with them just the way that we are with every human being you know sure. but I think that folks often like take like make it seem like this all or nothing like if you if you believe in women equality you must stand by Hillary Clinton I think that's also like a huge you know disservice to like actually seeing folks for the nuance that every single person you know because she's also an agent of the capitalist state like she you know certainly she is a woman Mm -hmm. and hopefully would have some uh, you know politics that reflect what her body is, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but not necessarily. Like, sure. there's plenty of non-feminist women who are in power, who right. are leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I imagine she's feminist. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, like, she, yeah. Based on her biography, would you say? I mean, based off of some of the, you know, some of her agendas, you know, I'd say, I'd say, yeah. I mean. I just, it's just, it's just, I can't deal, and, and this is what Zudi and I talk often about, is folks who live in this black and white just, like, aren't living in reality. Uh, you know, You're saying seeing, black and seeing, white, seeing, like, seeing binary. This, yeah, like, see, I saw a Facebook post the other day, which is, like, um, I, I get you people who... I, I get you people who are voting for Hillary Clinton because you want to be a part of the world of firsts, like the, the, the first female, but she is awful for X, Y, and Z. And it's sort of like you're really summing up any reason why folks might want to vote for Hillary right, Clinton right. because she is a it's woman. First, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And so there's probably a, a good population of people who would vote for her for the fact that if she would be the first woman president. Sure. However, that's not all voters. Like, exactly. Right. Yeah. So, you know, and, and it, what's, what's really fun is that I feel like 
I, you know, I'm an Aquarius. Oh. I, oh. I think in big picture. I think seven steps ahead. <coughs> Is that me. what Aquarius does? No, but just like they're sort of like oh, they're dreamers, right? So they like dream. Yeah. They dream and. I'm also, I mean, this is also like Myers-Briggs personality test. I am an ENFJ, so like I'm an, I'm an intuitive person. You know, I'm someone who sort of doesn't necessarily rely on my senses for the moment, but I'm, I'm always sort of very conscious of, you know, how could this action affect, you know, me five years from now, or how might it affect my relationship with this person? Or, you know, like I'm often thinking in, in those ways, and now I've lost my train of thought. We, because you made me think of, we had a birthday party together. Mm-hmm. Like you're an Aquarius, I'm a Capricorn. Oh yeah, and I'm right on the cusp too. Yeah, so I've got, I, oh, I suppose uh, I I'm on the cusp too. Going. Okay. Yeah, but oh, oh, this is great too that you're a Capricorn, right? Because right. I imagine you're you're a bit more methodical in nature. Is that correct in terms I of like say you so. know you have some systems in order to I like do. get stuff done? I think also it speaks to you know the work that you do. He just showed me a book, and the title is book. Organizing for the Creative Person. So that is that is. That is, um, yep. I would say, a quality of your Capricornness. I think, and, maybe. And so, I want it. I want yeah. these systems. Well, the fact that you want it and you dream it. about it. It's dream you know about it. In the same way that yeah. as an Aquarius, I feel like I dream. Like I just dream, right? You it's just like, dream. I dream of these worlds that I don't currently live in or exist in. Oh. But what mine the, are like? Oh, like in order to get to the worlds, we're probably going to need some pretty cool shelves, and we're going to have to like <laughs> have some ways of labeling the whatever's on the shelves. Yeah, and sometimes I feel like my Aquariusness or that dreaming is sort of like a balloon that's been let to fly in the air but like sometimes you just lose that balloon and like it just goes like it just keeps going you need someone to like grab it and like bring it down to earth and that's what I think Azudi has offered for me he's like very methodical he is he is like based in fact like if you're going to make an assertion it must have validity and like things to back it up. Evidence. So like yeah, ev- evidence. Absolutely. There always must be evidence to support your claim. So we, I think, help each other out. Like I sort of help him. You know, you know, I'm just this big old dreamer, and then he definitely brings me back down to reality. And then we get to be the you know the best of both worlds. And often, I think that's why Facebook is like so terribly awful. I, I think I've like acquired his resentment towards folks who make these assertions and don't back them up with evidence like like we have feel we have feelings right like we feelings do. we have current, All the f- so you know, many feelings but like truth and fact are not the same things so you've got facts oh boy. like you know you and I are having a conversation right yeah, now okay that's a but fact but then you've got multiple truths right like right. I may be having a great time and you may be having a terrible time I see, you know I see. Okay. which I think goes back to also the peace mediation conference so and we for had you, conversations so, about that but this is relaxing but for you truth is much more uh, fluid than fact Right, and and I think that like Facebook, for example, folks can write their own truths. Yeah, like I hate yeah. this, or I, sure. you know, whatever. But when you start to conflate the two, and it becomes like, you know, the Hillary Clinton comments, where right. you know you're not actually basing those assertions in fact. Therefore, <laughs> they become problematic. So I feel like now most of our conversations, Zudi and I, are like, like why did someone write this Facebook status? But like, would like, you feel better if someone said, oh, like listen? You know, 16% of Hillary voters who vote for her because it'll be a first time. Like, I get that, but this, this, and this. Yeah. So if they said a percentage. I'd like to know, know, or or I'd like to know that folks. Some sort of metric. Yeah, I'd like to know that, I'd like to know that some 
folks have like put more thought than I think they're putting out into statuses. Like I wish that there was a value in that. And that speaks larger to Facebook, right? But also us writing papers, you know, I recognize that it becomes harder for me to go back to that way that we learned in college, uh, make an assertion, give your evidence, and then conclude. Like this, this format, I feel like is sort of lost in in everywhere, right? In the media, on the way that we like hold arguments or debates, in the way that we share our thoughts with the world, and and I think you know it's. It's doing a disservice to us because folks aren't actually receiving information that's based in fact or in logic. You know, you're just like sort of, oh, I'm going to take this person's point of view, swallow it whole, not actually think about, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think it almost is like you're making a call for people in higher education to sort of move that convention of evidence-based writing that you have to do in scholarly work to Facebook. Like, I think that would be a... No, you know, I think it's even... Yeah. Um, Are you getting another drink? I, yeah. Another one. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Another round. So, you know, forget forget higher education. I think it would be important. I want that. Let me just say, I think that would be a nice thing. Like, if you're in college already... And you're like, you know what, like we have to, like why, like why do we do that? Why do we write papers that way if it doesn't, you know, uh, translate to the rest yeah. of our lives? I think that, I think that it raises a question for me. How are we educating people outside of formalized education? And how are we making sure that folks know that thoughts rooted in, you know, like, critiques rooted in fact are going to be held with more weight and more value than those that are not. Maybe, though, but not necessarily. Like, I mean, you know, Azuti, uh, Azuti calls for that. And, uh, and, like, I frankly feel like I don't have a lot of facts at my disposal. You know what I mean? But, but, but I think it's not even about the facts. I don't think it's about getting caught up in, like, 16% of whatever. Sure. I think it's about the research. I think it's about the, the whole understanding. Like, how do we think before we make an assertion, you know, and, and really know that, like, because if someone really held you to the fire with that, you know, would you be able to support it other than just, you know, well, that's what I heard or that, you know, like, I don't I don't know. I, I mean, just, I, think, I think, unfortunately, like, there's a lot of, People have a lot of privilege. Like privilege allows people, mm-hmm. like different voices, to say whatever they want to say. To say whatever they want, and if they say it in the right way, it is fact. Yep, and if absolutely. it's compelling, that's, that's and if you have angering. charisma, that is what is so angering right. to me. Is I want to cut through. You know, like I. Yeah. You know. No, I it, mean, it, what gets me most angry is when folks rally around those ideas. Like I'm sitting here seething because, like, why are you folks listening to this person? They're not. What like I don't. I don't you know, know why they listen to them because it 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 resonates with a belief. Like this is this is this thing. I like I think a lot about belief and how important belief is to us. Like like this idea. I I am so grateful that you led this conversation with this like emotion is conflict thing. Like conflict is rooted in emotion because it just sort of like. It brings, uh, oh, there's a cute baby walking by, another cute baby under a blanket, a man wiping his nose, glasses. We're going to, y- you should give me some descriptions of the people, passers-by, if, you, if they catch you. Sounds good. Uh, no, no pressure. 
I will. Um, but okay, so emotion is feelings. Conflict. Emotion is conflict. Um, belief is emotion. Like thinking about like re- religion is rooted in feel is emotion too. I think. Like, I, I also would say that 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 religion is rooted in principle as well. You know, so principle is not. I mean, pr- pr- principles. I guess have belief systems within them. This right? is going to so, be the best. What we're about, where we're going right now. Okay. So, would you identify as a person of faith? Yes. Okay. I do. I would not identify as okay. a person of faith. I I would I would assert I would imagine that both of us have principles that we have morals we have yeah. mm-hmm. you know we have views about the world right and wrong. Yeah. Um. What like where. I, I so do you, what is your relationship with Jesus Christ for sure. example um, I have a relationship with Jesus I have a relationship I have um, I have found such value in being grounded in spirituality and in faith I think that having a connection and an understanding and like a willing to um, for a, the presence of a higher power is only going to make you a better person is my yes. is my you know relationship to it. Yes. So, um, this is Thank also you, I think you know, Zudi is a man of faith, and his faith looks very specific. It looks very tangible. Um, he is Christian, and and I see him being a better person across the board because of his faith. I have also, because you know, I think maybe for the past couple of years as I've been searching through spirituality and faith, I have found myself a more grounded person. And so I've really started to resent the notion that if one is of faith or religious or spiritual, that therefore they are not intelligent. Mm. Um, you know, like I feel like Certainly. that gets thrown around a lot. I also... I, I just want to say on the record that I, I don't think that's true. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you. I think... I hear that a lot from folks. Um, I, I also hear that. Yeah. But I, I don't think that's true. Right. And so my relationship is that when there are models and people and religions like that promote good I sort of say you know why not I think that folks are sort of like yeah but like there's so many ways in which organized religion is problematic and all these sorts of things and I agree I think I think you're absolutely right and again this is about looking at things this is about folks looking at things in black and white because there are corrupt people who facilitate organized religion and there are lots of folks who are doing that then therefore religion is bad Organized religion is bad, you know? Right. And I think that the more that I have tried to understand all religions, I I find them rooted in these principles that if you were to take the faith out of it, would end up being sort of like principles for being a better person, right? So, like, I I heard this sermon um, a couple of months ago that was given at the Brooklyn Tabernacle. They were talking about how Jesus' principles... Um, are essentially some of the principles that, like, you know, this man ended up going to, like, a whole bunch of business conferences. And all of these principles that they're saying um, are... One second. There's someone here. Hi there. Hi. Oh, 
Oh, uh, we're we're recording a podcast. Yeah, it's called, it's called Cozy Zone. We have a patron who is wondering what we're doing, so Ben is offering that. Yeah. Well, so what? Yeah, being cozy, being cool. So, so I'm Ben Weber. Hey, Tim. Hi, I'm Brisa. This is Brisa. Uh, so yeah, so we go to the the guests' uh, cozy zone. So this happens to be Brisa's one of Brisa's favorite spots, Bijan's, and yeah, and so we we go all over. So this is Brisa's personal He's cozy zone. All the information. Right and now. we have uh, we have like a, a nice, lovely conversation. We're talking about faith right now. So sort of uh, faith, yeah. Faith yeah. in faith in humanity and yeah, God yeah. and all those and, things. And all those things. Well, I don't know. I mean, we haven't gotten we haven't there yet. Gotten we just there. started the <laughs> faith conversation. Yeah. Oh. Oh gosh, I mean, we're very poorly dressed for a congressional hearing, I would say. Uh, where where would be your cozy zone, Tim? Where's your cozy zone? His cozy zone is if they put on the islanders. The islanders. And uh, are that is that is a hockey? Ice hockey. Ice hockey. Ice hockey. Yes. Yes. Oh. I just wanted to let you know that you're always welcome here where I drink at Bajan. And Henry's a great partner. Yes, thank you, Tim. And it's two Bajans. Ben Weber. Ben Weber. Cozy Zone with Ben Weber. Uh, you, you can, yeah, you can Google Cozy Zone with Ben Weber. You can go to BenWeberProjects.com. Click on Cozy Zone. Great. Thanks, man. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. Cozy Zone. Bringing Cozy folks zone. together, patrons and interviewer ease alike. <laughs> the, who, are the Islanders? Oh, that's the Long Islanders. Yeah, I suppose. I don't know. Well, that was good. I, uh, I think that How do you feel? I feel, I feel good. I feel, I feel just like, fine. Good. If it had gone on a little longer, it would have been a little, you know, we might have had to just had him jump in. Yeah, I know. I wish I had an additional mic. It right does now. look like, a, it actually doesn't look like a congressional hearing at all because we have like half-eaten uh, pulled pork sandwiches and everything's a mess. And you have like this very jaunty uh, iPad, iPad cover. iPad cover. Yeah. All different colors and spirals <coughs> and whatnot. Um, but uh, interesting. Yeah. Tim. What? I didn't catch his last name. Me neither. All right. I was sort of giving commentary as you were speaking to him. I heard. So, I heard. You know? I liked it. Thank you. So I wasn't sure that I was actually being the best listener to him. You, but I wanted to take care of the Cozy Zone listeners. You know, I wanted you. them to, you know. know well, it's an idea. It, you know, this is this is your space. You yeah. know what I mean? And uh, sometimes people take up a lot of space and encroach on mm-hmm. our space. Mm-hmm. But here Just we are. Just fine. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, so I was saying, you know, there was a sermon that was happening, and uh, he was talking about how uh, if you, you know, go to some, like, CEO, like, how do you be a better person, or, like, how do you, you know, reach success, you know? You know, a lot of Jesus' principles are, like, are these tools for reaching to success? So, like, I'll give, I'll give Say you... Say that again. A, lo- uh, a lot of Jesus' principles, yeah. some of the things that he sort of, like, bestowed on yeah, the yeah. folks, Is are tools for success, if you tools. think about them. Okay. So, so, like... For example... 
if you think about envisioning your your future the way that you'd like it to be, yeah. you know, and really putting it out there. I think yeah. that's something that Jesus often promoted, right? Yeah. He said, like, put that out there and, like, it will happen, yeah. you know? And, you know, I think the difference is, that, like, Jesus is saying, like, it will happen through, you know, divine power. Yeah. It will happen because, you know, you've put it out there, you've asked for it, you've meditated, you've prayed on it, and therefore, you know, it will happen. But that's not far from what we tell folks, you know, if you're yeah. trying to get them to totally. really it's change like, their circumstances. It's like, like a, what do you want it to be? You know, like I mean, that's a, what we do. MBA class. Exactly. Yeah. So, you huh. know, you think about Jesus, you think about like rituals like Kwanzaa around the holiday time yep. that are getting you to really reflect and be conscious and what are you grateful for? What do you, you know? So, so I feel like I, I very much am a spiritual person in that I try and read up on all of these things and understand like what meaning can I take from it and what value is there in believing that there is a higher power which I believe there is and uh, and is that mediated by G I mean does, is Jesus the gateway to that higher power I think that I spend most of my time devoted to sort of like Jesus and what he's saying yeah. and what his teachings are but I wouldn't say it's exclusive certainly and I ask because you know as uh, a reformed Jew from mm -hmm. Milwaukee mm -hmm. I don't really know a lot about Jesus. Sure. And I'm interested. Yeah. Uh, um, so uh, there was this challenge. I actually really liked this. There was a challenge. So so, so Brooklyn, um, Azudi goes to the Brooklyn Tabernacle, yeah. so I often uh, go with him uh -huh. um, whenever I'm not like, you know, directing or working on Sundays. Mm -hmm. And um, they set out this challenge at the beginning of the year. We went to the New Year's uh, uh, sermon. And they set up this challenge and they bought the entire church uh, Bibles to sort of like go through all together as a congregation. Now this space is filled with community like none other. Like you are greeted warmly when you enter, you know, you folks care about each other while you're there. Like, you know, they're, they're and you can also see like the, the, the church is very transparent about the way that they spend their money. So if you, they're asking for money, they're like giving you a report on like, this is what we did. We just finished feeding 200 homeless folks in shelters last week over Thanksgiving when you didn't have Thanksgiving food. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they are, you know, which is really exciting to me. It's like, yeah. you know, oftentimes folks feel like when they're without a religion, they feel like they're without, um, you know, uh, or it, it can provide a sense of community that maybe other spaces don't necessarily offer. It, it's a unique place. I, I, my episode with Dorna, we talked about, you know, religious communities are often ones that are the most intergenerational. Mm -hmm. Like where, like you don't oh, really absolutely. see people of different ages in absolutely. any other context, say for like a faith-based community. Also, this space um, has like a whole bunch of like folks of color, which definitely makes me feel at home. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. know, like it sort of feels like that, like diversity is an asset to them. Um, and you know, so anyway, they got, they got you reading this Bible at the beginning of the year. And, you know, Zudi and I were reading it together for a while, and then I got really bombarded with work, and so I've, I've really fallen behind, you know, after the first couple of months. So I, I would like to get back to it, because when folks uh, criticize or pull it apart, I want to know what it is. I'm not just going to go in blindly and say I'm always going to say yes to what this is preaching if I, don't, right. if I haven't actually read what the texts are actually saying, sure. you know? So I read it when I was younger, but I didn't really make as much meaning from it as I'm, you know, getting from it now. And there are some things where it's sort of like, I read it and I'm challenged by it. You know, like there's a lot of things I'm like, oh, wow. Like it's, you know, we're reading the New Testament explicitly because in this right. church it's like primarily, right. you know, the New Testament. And 
in recapping Jesus's life, I was like, there is nothing about this man in the way that he's told that is any different than the way that I try and live my life as like, as like an empathetic, loving, giving person. Okay. Nothing. I was like, wow, yeah, this is it, right? Yeah. And then you hear some recounts of the way that he lived the things that he wanted folks to tell people that were not through his lens, but they were through the people who followed him. Yeah. And then that's Who presumably th- wrote the New Testament. Yeah, who wrote it? Who wrote them? Yeah. But then therein lies the problems I recognized. And I had this really serious conversation with Azudi where I'm like, I don't like what this is saying right now. And I was really nervous because I know that um, Azudi is, you know, a man of faith and like he very very intentionally focuses on Christianity yeah. as his form, you know, sure. as his form of, you know, connection to God. Yeah. I was nervous. I told him to sort of challenge those notions, but I, I felt really uncomfortable by, you know, by some of the passages. And and what, what made me feel so com- comforting was that it wasn't Zudi trying to, like, and my presumption was that he was going to challenge my thinking because it was said in this book and what he actually said was no I totally hear with you I also feel uncomfortable about what's being said here I think it's really important to remember that that every like it goes back to this idea that like every every opinion is subje- uh, subjective like anytime you tell a story it's through your lens through your politics through your agenda through your circumstances you know and and so he was like really he was he was really sweet to me and he oh, was yeah. like this is not Jesus saying it. This is someone saying what they think Jesus wants, and that's different. So, this is the mediator is, you know, being mm-hmm. unable to be neutral. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but and that is the that's the ideal that one could never. Yeah, and there was reach. a particular passage about women. There was a particular passage about homosexuality that I was just like, man, you know, Jesus was this person who was was the man for the oppressed. He was the person who like helped the afflicted, helped the folks who didn't have anything, who didn't have hope, who didn't have who didn't have resources, anything, you know? Do you watch Game of Thrones? I do. do are you up to date? I am. So like uh, the Sparrow, mm-hmm. the Sparrow King. Mm-hmm. What is that actor's name? Is it Jeremy? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I couldn't he's tell in you. Brazil. He's like a very charming. I couldn't tell you. Oh, but, but I know who you're but talking like about. But like him. He- yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um and so he really aided me in that, you know, look, the way that he approaches it is like, if Jesus said it and these are the things, these are principles that I believe in, then like, I think it's all right to be uncomfortable with these things. Because I was like in tears. I was like, but how could someone who all he wants to do is help the oppressed, help the, the you know, the poor, help the struggling how could he say these things? These folks are struggling too. Women are struggling too. You know what I mean? Like, these folks are struggling. And and Zudi like absolutely heard me. He's like, you're right. And I think you know. And then it led to him doing all this research about Paul and yeah. you know, and and also the 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 time period, right? Like, what were the things that were? Because so much of it is embedded in culture, right? The the culture of the times. What did we think about women? What did we think about you know folks who were gay? What did we think about folks who you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it's so, and again, this goes back to this idea of nuance, right? There's, there's, you know, so, so I would identify as uh, proudly spiritual. And I think uh, I still have yet to figure out if I were to like, I couldn't summarize it for you. I would have to say that it's a feeling that leaves me grounded and with purpose. And that, 
I didn't have without putting an emphasis in spirituality. I mean, it sounds like you have a lot of skepticism and a lot of questions, regardless. I, I, I'm not saying, like, in your faith, but in sort of the, you know, the, the building blocks that yeah. create it, right? Yeah. However, at the root of it, you derive some calm mm-hmm. from this spirituality, from putting your faith in a higher power. Yeah, I also would say that, like, I feel like I've had many direct testimonies to be like, oh, wow, this... This, this is working through me. You know, yeah. there are times when, you know, I was much more skeptical about all this sort of, all this sort of stuff. And, you know, people always tell me, especially like my family and, you know, just like folks who are more spirit or who, who were more spiritual than I, you know, re- like ask for it, right? Like pray on it. If you, if you're, if you're dealing with something, ask for it, say it, say yeah. it, like say it out loud. Yeah. And I remember this one instance I was having a really hard time um, with 13 O'Clock, which is a company that uh, I helped oh, co-found 13 o'clock in theater. South Teresa. Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and Teresa. I was, there was a, there was a lot of, we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, it was incredibly stressful. I felt isolated for whatever reason. I used to suffer from really terrible headaches that, you know, for a couple of years would come on maybe four or five times a week. And I think it had to do with my stress level. I think it had to do with not being so grounded. stress lives in your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. For me, and it's my, my, shoulders my stomach and shoulders. Mm, yeah, mine's yep. shoulders and head. Anything uh-huh. like above the shoulders is where it lives. Okay. And I was throbbing and I knew I had to get rest. And then, you know, so I, you know, I asked my mom, my family and I are very, very close um, I asked my mom to stay with me in my bed because big, I just big like, family. Um, my parents and then three other siblings, so two boys, two girls, a family of six, okay. all, all six of us. And so I asked my mom to stay with me in my bed that night, um, so she could sort of like rub my back and yeah. sort of like ease me to sleep because I, uh, I oh I, I remember what it was. We had a an interview with like the news station, like at you know it was we had to be there at five, so which meant we had to be there at like wake up at three thirty, but it was late, and I had this headache. And my mom said, you know, again, as she often does, just pray on it. Pray for it to go away, you know? I used to have this really weird idea, like, this weird feeling about asking for something when I didn't actually do anything. Like, I didn't do anything for my, my you, spirituality. You didn't earn it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? Doing, so, asking so for something that you didn't earn. Yeah. yeah. So I would never ask for anything. Okay. Because I felt like I hadn't earned it. Yeah. And then this one moment I was like, well, you know what? I really need this. So yeah. I'm really going to ask for it. You know? So I said, God, you know, I am really tired. I'm really stressed. I'm, I'm not in a very good place. I just need rest. And I need this headache to go away. And then the next second, it was like a wave had come over me, like a wave of calm, a wave of peace. Like, I I remember not thinking it was real. I remember being like, like, I know what, I know how I can monitor how bad my headache, headache is, is if I turn my head side to side. And then you can feel it, right? So it's like, even if I've stayed still for a long time, maybe it'll go away. But then I turn it and the second I turn it, it's like, it's, oh, oh yeah, it's there. I feel it. I remember being like, there's no way this is true. Okay, I'm going to turn my head, and I'm going to see if this is true. And I turned my head multiple times, not believing it, thinking like, nah, it's got to be here, right? Like, it got to the point where I was like shaking my head, being like, nah, like it can't have just gone away. And it did. And it did, and it was gone. And I slept. That's an amazing story. Uh, I, I have to say that as you were telling the story... 
two tears <laughs> yeah. rolled down your face from your eyes, which sort of added to the mystery and beauty of that story. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, of course. And, and, and I think that speaks to that sort of connection is something I never had without faith. Thank you, Teresa. Mm -hmm. 13 o'clock theater. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, yeah. I, I, the, I hate that the introduction of 13 o'clock is like in a time of stress and struggle because actually it's well, been here, a beautiful thing. But, so here the, here's the thing. Here, from an outsider, mm -hmm. so as, as your colleague in the MA, mm -hmm. I, I knew that, you know, every so often you would leave a very intense grad school experience to be... Uh, the like you're like what is the artistic executive director. executive director of a theater company in South Texas, um, so I'm trying to remember also what birthdays we celebrated at at uh, Radagast together. So I, I feel like I was like 20, 27, and I was 23. I was 20. That was my 27th birthday. And that was my 23rd. Ooh, boy, so I'm 30, and you're 27 now. 26. You're 26 now. How did that happen? How did that happen? I don't know. I think it's just like the more that you wait a second. insist that I'm younger. Wait, wait, wait. 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 No, that can't be right. So if I was 27 wait, and no. you were 23. No, it has to be right, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. No, no, that's, yeah, right. that's right. Right. You're 26. Oh. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm 30. Oh, but your birthday's after mine, right? No. No. Wait. I'm 16. January 16, you're oh, 22. No. Yeah. Right? I don't know. But so I you're know 26. that it was 23, 20. Wait. If you're yes. 23. Mm -hmm. I'm 27. I don't know why we're trying to do math right now. It's fine. Let's just accept it. Um, so anyway, for me, right, I, I bring that up to say that, like, you're a younger, you're younger than I am. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of my own mishigas about, like, you know, having achieved what I want to achieve by a certain time, right? There's a lot of pressure I put on myself. I've let a lot of it go. I'm loving being 30. I'm doing fine. Doing great. Using my degree in mm -hmm. the workplace. You know, um, doing uh, doing a podcast. Uh, a podcast, which I am an avid fan of. Oh. I'm just gonna say Ooh. I've listened to almost every Cozy Zone episode, <laughs> and I'm I will say Cozy Zone was my entryway into podcast oh. into the podcast Teresa, world. What I am uh, now into like on Bean, and I'm about to get into what is it? Serial? Serial is great. What was the first? oh on, on Bean? Yeah, on and that, again, that spirituality, right? Yes. Like through uh, anyway. So, so you're saying, Brisa, that, that Cozy Zone with Ben Wimber was a gateway It was the gateway. It was podcast. my gateway drug. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So you're a young woman, younger than I, who's the executive director of a theater, of a thriving theater company with many projects. Um, and it's, it's old. I mean, it's been around for a long time, mm -hmm. it seems. This year is going to be its eighth year. Holy moly. Mm -hmm. Eight years. But this year... It's going to be without me. I think uh, that's something that I have. We haven't actually released to the world yet. Oh my so God. hopefully, I'll release to the world before you. Uh, yeah, release that's this so. Podcast. This is an exclusive, an exclusive <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. fact. I will also say that folks like to get really excited about titles, and like this was like a this was a community theater, and like so executive director was like basically. I just had to make sure. It all got done, you know. So, yeah. like, in, in terms of making it a, li a bit more accessible, I think the language can sometimes feel like, "Oh, wow!" Like, yes, like I like I did a lot. I, I and I continue to do a lot, but 
I don't know. I just so I, what? Yeah, tell me about thirteen o'clock theater. So what? Like what? What is a an uh, an average season of thirteen o'clock oh theater there look like? There has been no average season. I will okay. say. Um, so um, the co-founder Alex Tay, um, who is the artistic director, and I have a very close relationship. I we grew up together. You know, we were young when we started it. I mean, he was younger than I. He was a year younger than I. Um, so, okay, in, so you're 26. Grade, so you were 18 when yeah. you started mm-hmm. it? Yeah, yeah. So, like, when we were going into college, basically, or he might have been, uh, I forget. I forget. But I think he's just younger in um, grade. I don't know in age. But anyway, regardless. We, so Alex first had this idea. He had this idea, and it's sort of, this. the season lived, and I was sort of, like, on the periphery of it, you know. It was what started was, by. What was his idea? What? It, it was essentially that, like, community theater happen in the Rio Grande Valley. Okay, that, um, and that's where you grew up. Right, which is where we both grew up. It's like this area that's right by the border between Texas and Mexico. It's very, like, rich culture. Um, you know, primarily either folks from Mexico or of Mexican descent. Um, and he had sort of decided, I really want this space where we can make come together and make art on a consistent basis. He was thinking primarily in the summer because he knew college was going to be coming and that would be the only time he'd be free. And uh, so it sort of started uh, with a production, which my sister was involved in, and then, and then you know, wasn't sure where it was going to go. And then I, sort of on my own, without really knowing Alex Tay very well, when I studied abroad, when I was in college, I like was like on these trains like to like seventeen where different did, countries. Where did you study abroad? I studied in the Netherlands at a university called um, the University of Maastricht, which is like an area in the Netherlands. Um, but it was this really cool program where I studied three days out of the week, and then I could travel for four. Oh my god! So I basically went to seventeen countries. It was the time of my life, and I remember on one of these trains, I remember thinking. Yeah, I really, I really want this idea of theater in, in the RGV to happen, and um, so I called Alex. Rio, Rio Grande Valley. Rio Grande Valley. RGV. RGV. Mm-hmm. I really wanted it to happen, and I knew Alex had the same vision, although I didn't know him very well. So I remember calling him when I was in Europe. I like got really like excited. I was like, "This needs to happen. You're the person it needs to happen with." And then it sort of really just grew into what it was through our collaboration with each other. So it was, at first it was just sort of like, let's do just do plays that folks wouldn't actually get to see down here. So they'd, they'd see like Chicago and they'd see like Cats and stuff. But like, what, what can we show them that is like new, innovative theater that maybe that would never make it down here unless we brought it down? So it started that way. And for the first few years, that's what it was. As we had got our prospective educations, you know, I joined the Masters in Applied Theater Alex was going to school in Northwestern, which has like some folks who really believe in creating original works yeah. and, and community-based performances. It's a great spot for, the, for those sorts of things. Yeah. Our dream started shifting, which then shifted the mission of 13 O'Clock. It became devoted to creating original works by artists in the community, which still felt like community theater, but like in its most authentic way. It started with just creating original works, like, you know, we created a full-length original show with music, with a full soundtrack and everything, which I directed, called Doublespeak, um, but then it moved to participatory. So just most recently, this past summer, we created this project called The Food Project, 
There was an article in the Washington Post, uh, maybe a year before we created the Food Project piece, that labeled the RGV as the poorest and the fattest in the nation. A direct correlation, poorest and the fattest. Had to do with food stamps, had to do with accessibility to fresh food, had to do with, you know, the border, the region in which we were living in, which was like, you know, not cultivated in the way that it should be. So we got an ensemble together. We brought in economists. We brought in um, farmers. We brought in, like, all of these folks, all of these different stakeholders to sort of offer some information on, like, the lay of the land, essentially. And we created an interactive, like, immersive piece. Like, folks would enter the space. It was, uh, it was like a diner. Like, the, there was, like, tables, like, uh-huh. with, like, the, what do you call that pattern? The, like, blue and white squares, oh, the checkered. gosh. The checkered patterns that, like, you can imagine were present um, back in the old days as, like... Um, gingham. Yeah, yeah, that. Sort of. Yeah, sort yeah, that. Uh, we had those tablecloths. And what we did was we had oppor- snippets of theater and then moving directly to, like, we were, we were all waiters. We were all waiters in this diner. And we'd go up sometimes on the stage and we'd perform some things as inspiration for conversation. So we'd perform a scene and then we'd jump right into our waitress, like, you know, with our pen and our pad and our paper, sort of like facilitating conversations at the tables. Each facilitator was at each table. That's a great idea. It was so fun. I remember one of the most exciting, well, there was a lot of really exciting parts about that piece, but one of them was a, a food medley. Um, I was like, I ended up being titled the music director of this piece, but just because I was really excited about putting music together, so I just you're, sort of you're a musician, it. you're a singer, mm-hmm. and and play guitar, play guitar, mm-hmm. yes. And there was this thing called a food medley where we decided we were going to pick these like really um, cheesy version. It was like a gar- it was like a garage band like application of sorts, but like something for like Google. I don't know, but it just had these like weird sounds that you could just repeat over and over. It was like beats, but okay. like different types of beats. They were so cheesy, but they all like emitted some so- like uh, emitted some sort of emotion, okay, right? So yeah. it's like we played around with a whole bunch of these different sounds, and we created created like thirty second like um, songs that were our relationship to food. So we had like four or five of these that we created and we would just sing them and like some were really serious, some were in Spanish, some were in English, like, but it was just like, one, one of them was like a hard rock sound and it, the song was called Hangry, like, every, <laughs> you know, every time I get really angry, yeah. you know, I that, just eat I, basically. I, I love that. Well, but it's not about being hungry and angry. There was this, I remember the one that I ended up That's performing. What Wait, what? Not angry when you're hungry. You eat when you're angry. The, the point of the oh, song was you no, eat. No, it was like both. Oh, okay. It was both. It was like, yeah. I remember the one that I ended up performing. It was like these like bongos. Like it was like like very like, you know, small club like and like really ridiculous poetry, you know, played with bongos in the back. Like that was like the feel of the song. And I remember, I think what I said was, it was bongos playing. And then I said... <laughs> Uh, what did I say? It was... Oh, it was... Yeah, it was like that. Okay, do it. Fruit, veggies, water, chips, candy, coke. I like both. And that was it. Nice. Thank God we got it. That was it. We found it. And so anyway, it ended up being like, you know, we started asking then the audience, what is your relationship to food? 
So it was not about shaming folks or making people know, like, man, this area is shitty. You know, that's like that's not what we were doing. Poor. It was like it was not. Yeah, it was like. But that's not what you said. We wanted to take. We wanted to take. We reclaim yeah. our relationship to it and get people to consciously think about like. And, and at the end of the day, the whole idea was just like understand your relationship to food. Like, why do you get it? Why do you eat it? Is it because it's convenient? Is it because it's cheap? Is it because it's you know whatever? Because you like cooking it? Is it because you know? Figure that out first. You oh, know? Brisa, watching you talk about this is like watching a professional <laughs> 4th of July fireworks display. What does that mean? Meaning you are, you are unbelievably passionate, like infectiously passionate. I, I, am, I am just enamored with you. And the way that you talk about your work, I mean, it is it is amazing. Like, I want I want to be in on all of this. It's very lovely. You are. You're in. No, I know, but I mean, I'm not really a part of 13 o'clock. That's you know, true. I just, I respect it from afar. That's true. But, like, it's a super cool project. And it, you are you are very uh, uh, charismatic mm. in the way you talk about Thank it. Thank you. Awesome. Um, so, we, we were uh, grad school colleagues together. Mm-hmm. Uh, we learned a lot about applied theater. What what would you say was your most valuable takeaway from the Masters in Applied Theater? Oh, that's a great question. I don't think that I was conscious about who I was until I exited that program. I think that... That's huge. No, I, I mean, it's really huge. Yeah. I was a baby when I entered, and no one would let me forget it. Everybody was like, you know, I felt there were times when, like, not... not Guilty as charged. Yeah. Well, Guilty as like, charged. Folks would, like, poke at me about it, right, and, like, joke and whatever. You were young, you know, you're a young woman. Yeah, but there were also times where I, I really felt like, even in, in working groups, where I was pegged as the young one, you know, like... There were there were there were instances that I felt that it I, wasn't, I hear you. The it problem, wasn't often. Yeah. It wasn't often, but it happened every so often. You're such a boss, though, Brisa. That's the thing. Like you are a young boss, and I feel like if that is true, like I mean, if people did that, if if I did that, which I must. You have. never did that. No. Well, I mean, other than the fact that like you tease me for being young, but I that was tease like, you, that but was, that was the extent of it. It was not you. But like you know, we're us old folks are are jealous and feel insecure you know what I mean like and it doesn't make it hurt less uh, to be on the receiving end of it but you know you are um, you, you do sort of amazing things and at like eight years you've had a theater company a professional theater company in your hometown like come on come on I, I don't you know it's, I'm sure it's hard for you to, to like give yourself credit for it or like say like ah because it, you're in it. But no, like, you know what I think it is. I don't know. I tell think me that. I think that like I just got started so young that I didn't know what I was doing and I was like I didn't really care. I was like whatever. I'm just gonna do it because I want to do it. I you're hit, the, a, I hit you're this a point. Balloon dreamer, as you say, were saying. I will say I hit this point. I think it may have been like Aquarian. towards the end of uh, in writing our thesis. I started to feel really burnt out. I was taking on too much. You know, I was like working full time I was going to school full time I was trying to organize 13 o'clock this new collective was getting started like there was a there was a lot going on yeah 
And um, I remember getting to the place, and this was right before I feel like I, I started to become a bit more spiritual and grounded person, where I was like, how did I ever do any of this? Like, I'm not capable of this. I'm just going to stop doing things because, like, I didn't know how to do... I remember going into that 13 o'clock season feeling like I didn't know how to do the things that I had already done. Like, somehow, like, I reached that point, maybe even that age, where it's just sort of like, oh, this is hard. <laughs> like, I really reached that point, and then I just, I think I fell into some sort of, like, funny way about you know, my abilities or capabilities. It wasn't until I really started getting to this place of groundedness where I was like, okay, like I, I can have confidence in myself again and go back to like, look, I'm going to make some projects and some of them are going to be good and some of them are going to be great and some of them, eh, you know, maybe, you know, you could do... Actually, I'm not even going to say do without because, you know, you learn from them, right? Yeah, but, you know... Aren't as good. Exactly. Aren't as good, basically. But I'm okay with that. Because, and, and you know what, I'm so glad that I became okay with that because now I feel like I'm doing some really solid projects that I really like, that I personally am invested in, in a way that, you know, I wasn't always when I was in that weird funk. Can I commend your uh, Apply Theater Collective fundraising campaign? Here's, this is a, this is an example of you being like a big boss, like in general, like who cares how old you are, like you 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 ran a fierce fundraising campaign for Applied Theater Collective. Intense, yeah. No, but like, so you did something that maybe is done, but I'd never seen before. And so, what so, do you mean? so for example, so I was like, you know, I I donated to your campaign. You did. Um, you have a postcard heading your way. Oh my god, amazing! But so because it was like, you know, it was a very compelling campaign you guys were doing extremely exciting you know unbelievable work like really beautiful sort of the the epitome of what we all imagine applied theater to be you know international groundbreaking work and so I was like yeah of course and I love you and I love Michelle and I love the project and and so I gave some money and in thanking me, you've thanked me on Facebook, and it was like, thank you to Ben and like some of these few other donors who gave today for, do, for supporting. And then you listed the crazy dope shit that Applied Theater Collective was doing. And I was just like, holy shit. Like, I, that, that sort of like, like, not only am I thanking you, this is a call to action for the rest of you assholes on Facebook <laughs> looking at this. Oh, you're friends with Ben Weber on Facebook? Well, you're going to get a dope-ass ask. I'm just going to say that that psychology works. I'm not going to lie. I'm telling if, you. If someone sees Ben Weber and they you. like Ben Weber, they're going to give because Ben Weber gave. But Okay, so, f but you didn't just say, like, thanks, Ben Weber, for giving. Bye. <laughs> you said, thanks, Ben Weber, for supporting this but ridiculous. You, but you did, though. I know. But you I, did, though. I know I did. You supported these crazy projects. Like, like no, insane. I know. But, like, they're insane. Right. But, but I guess just the... the they're insane. So I guess like the poetic uh, gusto with which you explain these, pro it was just very well done, and it 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 was learning for me. And I think I feel like Nicolette and her, you know, send mm -hmm. Nicolette to yoga school campaign mm -hmm. is is uh, inspired by that. Like I think it's a it's a learning. Which, by the way, it's still going, right? I need to. Get oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. Oh, uh, anyone who's listening, yeah, definitely. Uh, crowd rise, Nicolette Dixon. Yes. Hashtag send Nicolette to yoga school. Get there. I yeah. It's on her Facebook. 
I imagine you wouldn't necessarily give if you don't know Nicolette, but you, you should no, know her but, by this no, point. No, but you know what? If Ben Weber gave, maybe you'd Ooh, give to her. I have. Because he loves her, and I, I love her. I have contributed, and I love her. It's true. Um... Are you? What are you up to? I'm just letting the person who's meeting me afterwards know that I'm chilling here. Oh, so he do you? Just come here. No, he's oh, coming here. He's coming he's here. Fine. Do we get to come meet? I don't know. Maybe if he bumps in. So he's my my partner at Cat uh, Creative Arts Team, which oh. is the organization that I work are we at. Allowed, are, are we allowed to say this person's name? Uh, I don't think he would care, but I guess I shouldn't say it if. I don't I'm know. Not sure. I mean, I don't think he. You've dropped Zudi's name. I have, and I didn't necessarily ask him. He no. knew I was doing a podcast. But though. we haven't said his last name. This is the thing. Oh, like, that's yeah, that's true. So it's not really searchable. That's true. But uh, we'll see. So anyway, I've we'll got a, I've a, got a partner at Cat. That's uh, great. He and I work together. We'll call um, him T. We will call him T. Uh, I would have actually just said that to begin with. So I think maybe you gave it away. But <laughs> I'm just Listen. saying that's my nickname for him. All right. But anyway, uh, he's probably going to come in uh, meet me so we can hang out for a bit. That's super exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, I know him a lot by reputation. Not mm-hmm. I've I've seen him act. It was very lovely. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's a great actor. Yeah, he really is. All right. Yeah. So, so you were saying you're the most valuable thing you you took away from Cat was knowing yourself, learning about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I showed up and I was like, oh. I don't really know who I am, and this program is calling that out. I remember having this. This is a shout out to one of our classmates, uh, Julia. 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 Gosh, now, now I'm worried about saying last names. I mean, are you are you shitting on this no, person? No, I'm. O- I only say nice things about books. So on air. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So. Oh, okay. So Julia Reimer. Oh, Jay Rhymes. Oh, which we did a project together. Yes. We did. Oh, the, oh um, my God! And a beautiful storytelling. Oh, a beautiful project together. For folks. Uh, oh. Yeah. Yeah, adults with developmental disabilities. Yeah. It was super awesome. It was, a, it was a beautiful story lab. Isn't that what we call it? I no, th- is that maybe what we story lab. I think story so. Lab. Could be. Anyway, I just remember having this moment. You know, me as, me as this like trying to be as conscious as I could be at like 22 years old, being like, I just don't know what my pedagogy is. That's what I said. I, th- I remember you saying that, and, and which is such a precocious, like little, like baby genius thing to say. <laughs> I felt I felt really stupid upon reflection on saying that. I said one it's a laugh Julia. I got out of Rita this whole time. One, the first. Were you keeping count? I mean, oh, I, I just noticed it was very serious. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no. It's because it's because then, I'm a serious person, and I know, it's, and it's and a detriment tears, of mine. Tears rolling down your face. Anyway, go on. I know. I'm. I'm. I'm just happy. I, I talked about this in Romania with the team. I'm just I'm happy. Like, I got I'm sorry, a folks. Like, I, I think that like Michelle is a very giggly person, as are uh, as is Nadia. When I take my off. <laughs> I will be in Rome. That's for you, Michelle. That's for you. I'm coming for you. <laughs> when I put my panties I love her. I love her. She's I just, will she be. really keeps the humor, I think. And here's the problem is I think I am way too serious. And it's just like. Listen. Anyway. No. It's just who I am. It's a. I want to be it's more a process. humorous. It's a know, process. You know. I, it's, I, I think you're perfect just the way you are, Brisa. Well, thank you. Texting. I also should say that you have like an entire like <laughs> spy set up. So you have your, your cell phone that that Zudi uh, very graciously, uh, I guess, well, I don't know what you call it, uh, activated. Transferred, activated, yeah. yeah. Activated my, for my, you. My phone shattered, my iPhone. So oh. now I'm like sporting the 
S2 yeah. Android. And it was super traumatic for you. It was very traumatic. I was dealing with some serious jet lag on the way there. It was really hard for me you to... You just got back from I Romania. I got back last night. Yeah. Just... So you, and you're doing a cozy hours. zone. I also... Oh, this is what I wanted to tell you, too. I'm sorry. We, I think we had a tangent. Who knows? Anyway. But... I got him. I just met right before. um, Well, I got to sleep, which was nice. I went to, you know, okay, one thing at a time. I smashed my phone. I had terrible jet lag. I was really feeling badly. And Zudi was like the sweetest person in the whole world. I was exhausted. When that cracked, I was like about to be in tears. And he's like, just go to bed. So I went to bed. And he stayed up for two or three hours. And found an old phone of his and activated it for me and tried to sync all of my you know my calendar I mean I don't have any of my contacts right it's like you know that's kind of people know where to find it while. yeah that's yeah. okay and you have but probably have on so your many, email yeah 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 but like he put my email and he put my calendar which he knew were like the most important things yes. that I needed for yes. work or whatever yes which was amazing um and now I forgot where I was going uh, I don't know. Well, this, so there's this charger thing. Oh, yes. You have your iPad so I do. set up here. I have here. all of these things. Um, Zudi knew that how often I use my phone and that this phone might not charge as well as my original phone. So he like got me this external charger and made sure to pack it in my bag. It's just like this is just a testament to like our relationship and how good he is. He takes to me. care of you. He really takes care of which me, which is so beautiful. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful thing. So. So, oh, yeah. but you were saying you were excited about telling me. Oh, yeah. Oh, here it is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I got some rest. Feeling good. I got a kind of sort of phone, you know, makeshift yeah. phone, uh-huh. which is fine. Um, I slept from midnight to noon, beautiful. which was beautiful. It, like, really got me back into, like, all right, I'm back on New York time. Trip ready to 12. go. I know. Ready to go. So before I met you, I met with Linda Key. Oh. Um, oh. And uh, she's amazing. Amazing. She's a wonderful woman. Um, and um, she graduated in the MA with us. She's the um, educational director of a theater company. Uh, vital. That I ha- vital Theater, yeah, that I happen to work for. Check and, it uh, out. Check it out. They're great. Shout out. Vital. Mm-hmm. And... She has this really cool project that she um, asked me to be a part of. Can you t- tell us about yeah. it? Yeah. So it's this summer. It's like summer work. I'll be directing alongside uh, two or three other directors. Um, so there's this camp that goes on in the space that used to be Woodstock, like Woodstock yep. 1969. Bethel, uh, Bethel Woods. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So there's this uh, Bethel Woods Center for the Arts. I think like it's like this... Huge. Now it's like is a Kati Kerner. Is she? Uh, oh, I'm not sure. Runs Bethel. I'm terrible. I'm terrible with names. I'm sure you She's probably know round names table. better. I don't know. I don't know. But this a gorgeous facility that now hosts tons of music and arts events is it has this crazy complex. It's like on hundreds and hundreds of acres of land, and uh, there's like this um, summer camp essentially that's being done from like K through 12. Um, so it's like all of these age groups somehow come together in one final performance. Whoa. And uh, Whoa. essentially the idea is it's going to be reflecting on Woodstock through a show to like honor it in Whoa. this space. But the, the coolest thing about it is that, you know, I, I, get to, I get to direct it on these grounds. It gets to be about that. It's like peace and love amidst like chaos and war and, you know, all, all those sorts of things. Yeah. And... 
and we just get access it's like it's going to be a retreat it's like we have access to the grounds before we even start directing so we can just go if we want to just get away we could bring folks if we want oh so God. stay tuned yeah. we I may have to yeah figure everybody negotiate. everybody listen up yeah. we're gonna go there's theaters cozy's own yeah. friends exactly we're gonna follow mm-hmm. brisa up to there's Bethel Woods. theater space. There's, like, a place to sleep. Uh, um, yeah. You know, it's just a, a nice getaway. And so that the more and so more nice. she talked about it, the more I was like, wow. I, I mean, I'm just, like, really excited to be doing this project. And she's really had my back in that, you know, I have a lot of folks. I have a lot of folks that, like, just have my back, you know. Yeah, you do, because you're keep, the best. You know, they just, well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm just grateful for them. Yeah. So, well, that's fine. Yeah. That's good. And they're grateful for you. Yeah. So so that's fun. That's where I was before this. It was awesome. like we had a planning meeting or that's whatever. Super cool. Um, Congrats. That. Yeah. It's exciting. Do you have other projects that. Do you really want to open this can of worms? The worm can <laughs> is open. Is open. Worms, worms is open. unite. Okay. Let's do this, Breeze. So ATC just got done with a project in Texas, actually, my hometown, where 13 o'clock is based. Yes. And you like you told them to listen to the podcast. You sent me an email oh, yeah. and I was like, oh, yeah, my Texas friends. Oh, like, yeah. Breeze, you are Oh, too and much. even more after this. Yeah. It's good. This, this is, is a shout this out is to a uh, huge... my photographer friend, Daniel Flores, who would love stuff like this. This is a huge... Uh, Step up for Cozy Zone. Yeah. Oh, the yeah, the Brisa Munoz <laughs> interview. Yeah. All so right. So you're going to Texas. Going to, well, we, we just finished coming from. It's the start of what we hope to be a series of workshops. Going back we to were, Texas. Mm-hmm. Coming from Texas. Coming from Texas. To go back. To, to go back to Texas soon. Okay. Um, we worked with uh, college students on um, the border issues facing the area, particularly because this area is the space where... Hundreds and hundreds of folks came from Central America sort of looking for refuge, right? Which was the whole reason why Obama had this big address and, like, call to action as far as immigration is concerned. And, you know, he did some things and he also missed some things. And so it's, like, really unpicking all of those things. We are trying to arm college students, theater students, with the tools that it takes to have conversations around these real issues to then incite policymakers on the local and state level to affect change. But what we want to do is we want to build the skills with the college students first, which is what we did. Partner with local migrant communities. Tell, who can tell what skills were you building? There? Im- improvisational skills. Okay, so like theater um, skills. Yeah, faci- yeah, theater, facilitation skills, all those sorts of things. But we were, it was like they were wearing two hats, right? They're learning how to build these skills, but they were also exploring the content. So simultaneously. So the next step would be pairing these college students who have like who are interested in continuing to do this work with migrant communities in the area who have who have the direct stories to tell, right? So like this is like a reflection on and this is the people who have them. How do we bring these two things together and sort of have them have conversations with each other so that really we can um, you know affect some sort of change by getting policymakers into the story sharings that happen or the conversations that happen. Um, so we did that. Um, so that will hopefully be happening again sometime within the next year. Um, we set the roots for that. We just came back from Romania where we did that conference. We are starting a new project, ATC, um, that is about um, examining race relations in the United States. Uh, we are taking Anton Chekhov's Three Sisters and adapting it 
during the time of the 1921 Oklahoma City race riots. So we're not actually taking it verbatim. We're, we're taking some of the incidents, sort of like the, the one of the biggest uh, moments in Three Sisters was uh, the incident of a fire, which uh, is a huge part of the race riots, you know, like basically all of Black Wall Street, this area that had like a whole bunch of like black affluent folk was like burnt to the ground. Um, and sort of, sort of using Chekhov, which normally pulls in white audiences, but setting it to a time that is like folks of color predominant. How do we get both of those types of people in the space to see this thing that examines not only what what was never honored back then, but what is still happening now? So we've got that project that's like we just cast and we're going to go into rehearsal soon. That goes up at the end of June. Where can we see it? The Secret Theater. Um, Can you tell us where it is, or is the it, secret uh, theater is in Long Island City? It's not a secret. It's not a secret. No, nope. Long Island City, the secret theater, um, and it goes up the last week of June. Um, you can find out all the info on AppliedTheaterCollective.com. Keep up to date with us on Twitter. Oh yeah, oh, man, I, I'm not the one that's in control of that, but yeah, we we, at, we have one at uh, Applied Theater Collective. Oh, uh, that's a great question. Oh man, I'm gonna get in we'll so much fu- trouble we'll, for this. Listen, one. we're gonna we'll we'll put it in the in the uh, in the uh, in your little blurb. Yes, we do a little blurb. Great. We're gonna have some pictures. Awesome, that sounds brilliant. So. Yeah. There's that. I'm doing this. Uh, I'm directing uh, a youth theater show with Liz Sweeney yes. on the Upper East Side Great. in July. Great. Then I'm going to Bethel Woods right afterwards. Yes. And then probably starting up with Creative Arts Team again. We're partnering with Man Question Great. in the fall, which is like creating a play based off of the ideas of the participants on gender right. here in New York. Okay. And then maybe the youth theater again the, in um, January. Can't youth theater? Cat Youth Theater, uh-huh. mm-hmm, which I had a, the pleasure of directing this year, yes. and I've been asked back if I wanted to. Yes. I want to. I love that group. Yeah, you should so. go. It's great. Yeah. So so it's all booked up. <laughs> it's all pretty booked up. That's amazing. So, Brisa, I mean, the reason that I called you here today, of course, is because I am um, an ambassador from the Cozy Zone Foundation. And uh, I received a letter, a very generous letter from them that invited me uh, to choose somebody to make a collaborative project with. And they would, they would give me unlimited funds to create that project. And Brisa Areli Munoz, I chose you. Uh, you know, after, I, I, I'm glad I did because you have an unbelievably long... Prestigious list of credits and future credits. Uh, You're you're an executive director of a Texan theater company. That's ever shit, but I guess not not forever, not this year. You're taking a brief pause, but we won't even need to talk about that (laughs) too last. Um, And uh, so, if if we were to create a collaborative piece of art together. What would that look like? What do you want to do? Oh, what do I want to do, Brisa? I want... I mean, we know each other fairly well, right? So yeah. I think that based... I mean, I did a whole bunch of talking, so I think, you know, 
You did all. I did. I did a little bit of talking. I know. I feel like I dominated a little bit. I mean, this is what it is. This is cozy zone, man. I'm just here to. I'm just here to to let it out. I I I sat back in in awe. (sighs) What are you? I mean, you know, I'm. What comes to mind? I I'm in the market. I'm I'm gonna move this mic stand. I I removed the mic from the stand now, so we're we're feeling intimate. I I'm in the I'm in the delight market myself. You know, I want people. To laugh and sing and smile, um, but I also, you know, there's a lot of value to, uh, you know, thinking about the systemic ills that have been infecting our society for centuries, uh, which I feel like you are very aware of. I also know that you are a person who delights, who laughs, who loves to play around. Uh, you know, you said you're too serious. You're mm-hmm. apologizing for it, but I, I don't actually. My experience of you, you are, you know, you're a bright, goofy <laughs> person. You know. Um, all right, so you're. I'm gonna. Uh, this, this is a good time to sort of eat your pulled pork sandwich. I, I finished mine long ago. I just shoved it all in my mouth. Okay. <sighs> but well, you know, I, like I'm thinking a lot about Baltimore. Mm-hmm. A lot like that. Like I wanna, I wanna bring some sort of peace to Baltimore. I mean, and and it also in the, like as soon as I say that, I'm I'm filled with guilt about like, well, maybe there needs to be this rupture there. So my my uh, at the culmination of my undergrad, you have to do something called a colloquium, which is a mm-hmm hour and a half discussion with three people about a, a list of books that you have read and mastered throughout your tenure as an undergrad at Gallatin. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the title, sort of the, the framing idea of my colloquium was Taboo as a Performative Rupture. So I, I studied theatricality and taboos, looking specifically at like how do forbidden subjects manifest themselves on stage and this idea of a performative rupture, like a, a break or a, a, a violent moment that ultimately brings renewal, like those, mm-hmm. those seed pods that can only sprout in a forest fire. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, yeah. there, there seems to be something really important about the people resisting, the bloods and the crypts, you know, having a ceasefire so that they can you know be against the police there's something like uh, i hate to say it but like exciting about that like my first reaction is like hell yeah bloods and crips like go get those police you know what i mean i don't have like a lot of law enforcement in my life and there's all sorts of you know problems with that but there's also something super exciting like you know gangs should like not exist i guess but i understand why they do I mean, I, I, I feign to understand why they do, but I don't know. Um, okay, so based off of all you're saying, uh-huh. well, first off, I think in terms of, I'm not necessarily sure that I would go for the police, particularly because oh. though, though the police, um, you know, are the perpetrators. When you say go for the police, you mean uh, uh, position them as the subject of our art project um, or no, I was envisioning them as like the audience like it, I had assumed that you were sort of putting them as audience but oh I know no, I that was, was just, an assumption that I was making. well I was just sort of saying what is happening 
Sure. No, no, yeah. I, I don't know. So, so, in, so in terms of uh, the response to uh, the police, I, ha- I have this, this weird thing because though they are um, the per- perpetrators of a lot of these things, um, you know, I, I think there's also a lot of um, healing space that's not allowed for them. Like, like there's not enough conversations had with them about like how do we unpick these sorts of things so with that these police things don't themselves. happen. Yeah, not to say that I want to do that because I'm very, I'm very. Um, you know, I, I feel strongly. I don't think I could be the person that's in that space to come yeah. in that way. That's like I'm going to try and be non. Did you know? About this. Did you hear about the willing participant action that we did about? Uh, I guess it was sort of about Black Lives Matter and Ferguson and, and Eric Garner. Yeah. So we called it disarm, and basically the the premise was we would approach police people stationed around Times Square and we would ask them, do you know a place where we can get some peace and quiet around here? And then they would respond and maybe we would have a conversation, maybe we wouldn't, we really didn't. But there, there is this thing of like, how do you engage, like, there is this us and them happening right, right, right now. Right. I mean, my, my impetus is to sort of the dream, if I could be that big of a person, would be to create these healing spaces before we even try and bring them together for both parties. Right. To be able to sort of have conversations about, like, what are, what's Police going on. You know what I mean? Citizen, like, yeah. I don't think that they could happen together yet. Okay. This I don't think that's this project because I want it to be filled with delight and fun, and I think that feels heavy, heavy, heavy. What, yeah. What came to mind when you said all these things was, like, okay. <laughs> there is something about getting policymakers in a room and like theatrically like locking the doors and saying you're not leaving until something changes like this like Like this like this like you are not we're not leaving here until we come up with our art project yeah exactly right like there's something there's something about that that I feel like like if we really think about the folks who like have a a say in how this ends up it's the folks that make the decisions you know so like like if we could get lawmakers policymakers in the audience and then it's really just like us as artists like using humor like smart witty humor as a way to address some of these issues that you're allowing to perpetuate by these laws and by these systems that you refuse to change like there's something there's something there's something cool about that where like we could be funny and we could be silly you know, and, and maybe lawmaker maybe lock-in. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Why do you like that as I a title? I love that lawmaker lock-in. Yeah, yeah. So this also seems right in the wheelhouse of, um, yeah, Tim. Oh yeah. Benny in the conference zone is what our friend you know, came up it, and told there's us. Always, there's always a, there's always a Tim. little variation. Tim. Tim. Benny in the comfort zone. <laughs> and then conference zone. My good God. Next time it's going to be it's, Congress it's, zone. It is cozy zone Folks. with Ben Weber. <laughs> Folks. Folks, listen up. Lawmaker lock-in. Uh, what I was saying is uh, Applied Theater Collective seems like it is in the, your wheelhouse. I wonder if we could, if you might be able oh, yeah. to facilitate. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, folks, folks, uh, a uh, a, co- a collaboration between Ben Weber, Brisa M- Munoz, Mun is that right? Munoz, Munoz, yeah. Munoz. Moo like a cow. Mew. Mew? No. Mew. Mew like a, a little baby cat. No. Mew. Like a Mew cow. Mew nose like a like a, the thing on your face. Ben Weber. You 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 found me ben out. Weber. You found me out. There was a lovely. Moo. A all right, all right. Come on, come on. Hair. All right, here we go. Coat. We've got someone outside the window who has, you know, who's walking slow. I don't know. You didn't. The purple striped <laughs> oh, hoodie. Yeah, the purple, uh, pink. It's walk, I couldn't decide if it was walking pink or purple. Slight walking slow. I couldn't figure it. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Someone outside's walking a little slow. Only in New York. 
Can no, you believe actually, it? Actually, that's not, you know, <laughs> that doesn't feel indicative of New York. All right. Anyway, so, yes. What did we call it? Lawmaker lock-in. That's what we want. You like that? I really like that a lot. Okay. And I don't think we'd actually be locking them in, right? No, no. <laughs> As you said, which is beautiful. Theatrically right, you know. locking them in. We're not leaving until something changes. Mm-hmm. So they have to come up with some sort of writ or decree or something. Mm-hmm. You know. It could be on a very specific issue. Like, we would have to... We would have to have it written, right? We'd have to have the policy. What is the thing that is so problematic? We'd have to have. We have to do that research. We'd have to get the folks who have a stake in that conversation to be a part of that room. You know, like we'd have to do all those things. We'd yeah. have to have artists who really understand the issue inside and out. Maybe we do some forum. We get some folks to try out some new solutions. I don't know. I love it. So, who, like, which lawmakers are these? Like, are they, are we talking Congress? Are we talking local, like a I local mean, government? I mean, I feel like if, if, we were, if we were really trying to make it happen, we'd have to start with local, right? Okay, so like no, local New York? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, like, like city to, council folks? Sure. But, I, but also... Lawmaker lock-in with the city council? I mean, I have a, I mean, we don't, I mean... We have funds, but the funds don't necessarily buy us access, right? Yeah, no, it doesn't. But I do have access. I would, I do have access to the city council. Yeah. Personally. Hmm. Yeah. Let's. let's should we? Do you want to do it with the city council? I mean, we live here. That's true. We Who's, do live I don't, here. I don't know who my district person is. Oh, I'm not sure either. This is a research we'd have to do. Yeah. In order for you're, us not to sound like complete. You're in Crown. Crown Heights. Heights. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. No, you're not. Yeah. Sort of. You're basically in Prospect Leopard's Gardens. I'm technically. I'm technically. You're technically in Crown Heights, really? I think I'm on the cusp is what I think. Really? But but I am officially Crown Heights. Interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you're like, because you're right, like. Right on the the edge. Right near Mm -hmm. Prospect Leopard's Gardens. Yep. Yep. You have a beautiful home. I love my home. Thank you for having that warming. Um... Yeah, I mean, here's the thing: what, is like, I don't, I don't want to be arbitrary about like. We'd have to center on the issue, and I, I don't know that I have the information. I think handy. I mean, how is? I mean, you know, how does New York City deal with race? Like, sure. What are the policy? I'm, I'm interested in that. Yeah. Like there, you know, stop and frisk. I, I imagine is still on the books. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of fucked up shit. In New York. There's a lot of fucked up shit. I mean, and less fucked up shit than many other places, I would imagine. Like, you know, gentrification, like, how do we continue to, you know, respect and honor the folks that have been there and actually give aid to those folks that it's like they're not being bought out? Like, they actually get to live in the spaces where they've lived always, you know, or, you know, for long periods of time. There's like trash. I have like problem with trash in my neighborhood. <laughs> like oh it's man, just, like, sorry. All over the place. I mean, you not, live not near. You place, live near a grocery store. I do. Which has a lot of trash. What um? What would the art look like? This was my question earlier. Like, what what would we do to delight these lawmakers? I mean, my impulse is like. We we have unlimited funds, so we don't need like chart paper is all well and good. But like, let's let's imagine beyond chart paper. Would sure. we have like giant LED screens? Would people have like personal tablets that they could doodle on, and it would go be projected on a big screen? Like, would that make people feel like? Yeah, I think I think tab like they, everybody would. 
We'd have the rows set up the way that like Congress is set up, where yep. everybody has like their own station sure. that or has access to City like Council, at yeah. any point, like they can buzz a buzzer, and yep. we know that they want their idea to be shown Yay. on the projector, like whatever they've written on yep. the board, like yep. a solution or a comment or whatever. Yep. I also imagine that it would be like half, per, you know, like it would be participatory. They would be like performance like there'd be time isolated times where there would be skits as like snippets for inspiration Beautiful. but then also times where we have conversations with each oh. other there was also oh. this show that i directed one time it was about time travel this was for 13 o'clock like in one of its first years yeah. and um we did this really cool thing with led lights where we'd blind the audience with led lights so that like folks could appear in the time traveling machine and then disappear from the time traveling machine like there's almost something about like That's cool. if we could envision a new world like what would we like it to look like yeah. and like folks getting to like jump into a new scenario by like being blasted by lights it makes me think that we should probably commission local artists to to like provide this snippet of inspiration like we like there's something like i would love to live in an arts rich city where the arts Mm -hmm. like are fundamental to the city that where we live which makes me think that there he is there's t there he is there he is shown up you have to we're I have to find out if I'm allowed to use your name. Can I use your name? Can I say your first name? No. I'm not allowed. This is the mysterious T. <laughs> the mysterious T. Has tea. joined us. The, the silent bystander. Hello. Thank you. We're just wrapping up our podcast. We're coming up with the dream uh, project that we might create together. It's like the culminating part. T is being extremely respectful and quiet. But uh, we'll never know. We'll never know. His real identity. Mm-mm. No, no, it's not live. Not live. He's gonna, he's gonna put it up in a few weeks. Yeah, it's, a, it's just, it's going into a digital. I spoke highly about you as my partner. That's why I want to share your oh, name. Okay, I can talk then. I didn't know what you guys were talking about. Oh, well, I'm gonna. No, we're talking about, we're talking about an imaginary art project. Uh, if so, if if. Uh, to join in. Yeah, if, if Brisa and I could create a collaborative art project, T, I would love you on the Cozy Zone someday. Uh, it would be, it would be great. I would love to get to know you better. I've heard beautiful things. I've seen you perform. Yeah. I heard a lot about you, oh. too. I heard a lot about you, too. Oh, yes. Thank you. You sound ben. good. Oh, you sound good. No, you can't use my name. You can't use my <laughs> Don't name. Don't listen to him. It's my podcast. So, no, Bob. You, thank you. Thank you. We do have this man that keeps coming up to us. Tim. Tim. He may have had some alcohol. I mean, it's a bar, so I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He was drinking a beer. Every time he comes up, him. he's like, what did he say? What did he call it? The Ben uh, Conference. Cozy, cozy Corner. Cozy or, Corner. But, I don't know. So I think we're probably, I mean, this is probably, we're probably good. We've got the, we've got so the Lawmaker meet. Lock-In, there's going to be, lock-in. there's going to be, a, um, sit, we're going to do this in city council. So we're going to sort of have like a, a like a applied theater retreat, basically, for the members of city council in which... Uh, they cannot leave the room until they... A decision or a verdict has been made yeah, they, on some particular issue that is of relevance to New York City and we that is yet yeah. to be determined. Yeah, well, we should we should determine that, but we can determine that on Pinterest. Hard, where, yeah. But we'll, okay. Pinterest is where this battle oh, great. happens. Awesome. This is the battleground. We'll figure it out on Pinterest. Um, we, end, we end Cozy Zone mm-hmm. as per... Shamelia McBean's uh, discovery. I discovered it with her by creating a song together. So we I sing. Love that. Oh, Brisa Munoz, you are my sunshine. Is it just you no, you sing too. Oh. Da, 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 da. 
The little backup singing like a South Texas rose. The littlest executive director I have ever known. Brisa. Brisa Munoz. We're here. We're here at Bijan. Bijan Dadan. That's the second time. Uh, Anthony Bijan Clifton, I love you. Do you, do you have any more songs you want to? That's all. I think I just needed to provide backup. To Little dot dot dot. That's all I did. T any um, musical uh, inspiration? Inspiration? No. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Um, thank you, Ben Weber. You've Risa, been thank you so much uh, for this cozy zone. Um, you're wonderful. Any? Do you have any questions for me, either of you? I love you. That's no it. questions? Nope. All right. No questions. All right. Great. Well, uh, see you soon. We are intimately finding our peaceful cozy zone. And Ben, he interviews friends. It's awkward and then it's cozy zone. Occasionally it's a lovely thing to be nosy in somebody's cozy zone. So please snuggle up sweet. A beautiful thing, it's cozy zone. <laughs>